Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening, hello Maverick family and new viewers Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. I am Rick Walker, and I am breathing a bit easier tonight, given that uh, the day of rage has not turned out to be quite as bad as I was afraid it might be, as I'm sure all of you were also afraid that today might turn into a day of violence. We did see the, the former leader of Hamas call for a day of jihad, with many people thinking that might result in terrorist attacks worldwide, including right here at home, but that has not quite turned out to be the case. Some acts of violence today but nowhere near what it might have been, at least not so far. The day is not over yet, though. And the conflict, the war between Israel and Hamas continues tonight. We will talk about that. And there has also been an important court decision in Canada regarding oil production. And this directly affects the province of Alberta, which uh, has successfully challenged legislation that, uh, sorry, I just have some information coming in here that I'm just checking for you. Yeah, it's okay, I already have that. So anyway, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Alberta and we'll pick up a reaction from Alberta Premier Danielle Smith. This is all about uh, pipelines. There's also a new petition out that I think a lot of you will be very interested in. This petition coming from uh, Conservative Member of Parliament Leslin Lewis. And what else do I have for you tonight? Oh yeah, Putin. He says he's ready to mediate the Israel-Hamas war. So that's breaking news tonight. And that's really kind of where we're going with things so far. I'll be keeping tabs on information as it flows in here to me at this desk tonight. And as it comes in, I will share it with you. But uh, there's a lot there to, to share with you. And I will do just that when we come back right after this.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights. And freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late, too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. back. So what happened today? Well, this was the day of rage, day of jihad. And there were some incidents. There were, uh, there were knife attacks in China and France today. This after Hamas called for Friday the 13th to be a global day of rage in response to the uh, Hamas-Israeli war. So this attack in France, which killed at least one person, has been linked to the conflict. That, according to the interior minister, local media has reported that there it was a 20-year-old Chechen who has been known to the authorities there as an Islamist radical, as they describe him, who shouted Allah Akbar during the attack on multiple people at a school. Now, this attack in China has not been, at least at this point, linked directly to the war, but the victim has been identified as an employee of the Israeli embassy, which gives rise to some, I would say, solid speculation that this is related to the day of rage. That also, uh, that that's also because we're seeing some media attention focused on that particular attack, which also suggests that this may be related. However, waiting for more facts. We've seen security alerts all over the world as a result of that call for a day of rage. Jewish schools, synagogues, globally, um, in, in many, many countries, many communities closed for the day today as people took extra precautions to protect themselves and their families because of this Increased concern. In Beijing, an Israeli embassy staffer was attacked with a knife in broad daylight before being taken to the hospital. Authorities in China 
have not released a motive for the attack, which comes after Israel admonished China for failing to condemn the unprecedented Hamas attacks, which has led to at least 1,300 Israeli soldiers and civilians being killed. It is not clear at this time how many civilians and, uh, and militants in Gaza may have been killed following Israel's response to the Hamas attacks. Israel's foreign ministry has said in a statement that the embassy worker who is, has not been named still at this point is in stable condition, adding that the attack did not take place inside the embassy compound. I personally have not seen video related to that attack, but apparently there is some out there. I have not located that at this point. We may, if appropriate, have it for you at some point during tonight's program. It was uh, an attack that took place sometime around 2.20 p.m. local time, their time, in China. The victim uh, was apparently helped by an English-speaking passerby. Another witness who heard screaming saw a tall, thin man wearing a white top leave the scene carrying a knife. Now, all of that being said, that's a few incidents all around the world on a day when pro-Palestinian protesters broke out across the Middle East and beyond Friday with protests. So, so far, I would say we've been um, spared a more widespread day of violence instead getting protests again, and unprecedented polarization again between people on this war, on this issue. I'm finding this is a more polarizing issue than I think even COVID was. Large protests have been seen in the capitals of Iraq, where tens of thousands of people came out. Iran and Yemen, with those gathered holding Palestinian flags, we saw big protests there. In Iran, some protesters could be seen burning both the Israeli and American flags. In Beirut, Lebanon, we also saw supporters of uh, the political party and militant group Hezbollah hold a rally supporting Palestinians and denouncing Israel, shouting death to Israel and death to America. Oh, boy. In Jordan, we saw riot police make use of tear gas. They dispersed hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters who uh, were approaching a border zone with the West Bank. And we also saw protesters in support of Palestinians uh, held in countries that include Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, and Japan.
So, as I said, that uh, call for a day of rage or a day of jihad, a day of terror, came from former Hamas chief Khaled Michel. Others are saying it was a call for a day of anger. I suppose it depends on your interpretation, but we have seen police services, military, governments on heightened alert and taking extra precautions. Yesterday we told you that New York City police had canceled vacations, had called in all officers. It was all hands on deck today in New York City. As they did their best to make sure that everyone remained safe. So this continues. It, it, uh, it's far from over, obviously. In Vancouver, police activated a command center. They also were taking extra steps today to protect Jewish places of worship and community centers. And the police chief there went so far as to actually make a public statement on that today. But so far in Canada, uh, no reports of any major acts of violence. Uh, sticking with Canada for just a moment, the New Democratic Party, the NDP under Jagmeet Singh, has issued a statement. I'll share that with you here. They have posted this online. This is fresh. This is the NDP statement on recent devastating events in Israel and Palestine. NDP foreign affairs critic Heather McPherson says in this statement, Today is a devastating and terrifying day. Hamas's call for a day of rage is awful. Israel's order to displace 1.1 million innocent Gazans is reprehensible. The region is spiraling and Canada must act now to save lives. She goes on and says, I am alarmed by what we are witnessing from the siege of Gaza. Children, women, and the elderly are indiscriminately attacked. The use of white phosphorus is a war crime. And now Israel's demand to move over 1.1 million people south is both illegal and impossible. I fear for the people who cannot flee, including thousands of wounded. We are watching potential war crimes in real time. We condemn Hamas's call to arms today, which will inevitably lead to more violence. We reiterate our unequivocal condemnation of the terrorist violence by Hamas that killed thousands. These attacks have caused unimaginable pain and trauma for Jewish communities globally and made many Jewish Canadians feel unsafe. This must end. Palestinians are suffering at a scale we have never seen as a result of the siege of Gaza. Canada must today insist for the respect of international law, of humanitarian principles, and urge Israel to rescind the evacuation order, as the United Nations has called for. Anything less would be a betrayal of our values. New Democrats continue to call for immediate release of all hostages, the protection of all civilians, and an end to the siege and bombardment of Gaza and for humanitarian aid to reach civilians urgently and without restriction. We condemn all acts of anti-Semitism and all anti-Palestinian racism, including any glorification or calls for the killing of innocent people, Israeli or Palestinian. 
Thank you to all Israelis and Palestinians working to preserve life, medical workers, humanitarians, human rights advocates, ordinary people doing what they can in the face of such horror. We see you and we stand with you. And again, that is from uh, the NDP foreign affairs critic, Heather McPherson in Canada tonight. Police did make an arrest for a breach of peace in Windsor, Ontario at a Palestinian rally along Windsor's riverfront. That happened last night. It involved a small group which broke away from hundreds of people who had gathered and confronted at least two individuals carrying Israeli flags. Um, so there was a brief altercation. People attending the rally snatched and stomped on an Israeli flag. One man who uh, was carrying an Israeli flag was handcuffed by Windsor police, obviously. He would have been someone who maybe took that flag from someone else. At least that's what it appears the situation is. Authorities say the man was arrested for breach of the peace. It does not carry any kind of criminal penalty. Windsor police did send out a statement regarding the incident saying the decision to arrest someone for this is usually to de-escalate a situation and maintain order. The person arrested was taken into custody for a brief period of time and then released. Moments after the incident was denounced by speakers leading the event who said what happened was not okay, we are not to do this again, one woman said from within the crowd. So, the Windsor Jewish Federation has come out to condemn Hamas. And as I say, this issue is, uh, is polarizing people again. And uh, yeah, I think some people are having difficulty figuring out how they're supposed to come down um, on this issue. Which side do I pick? Who's right? Who's wrong? People just don't know. They're confused. Even if even those who know their history are confused by this because the political alliances are blurred here. And as I've been saying, well, who's a Nazi now? Seems some people are very confused by that. With people who are supportive of Palestine and Hamas pointing to the Israelis, suggesting that they are fascistic. I've seen that, heard it. Well, on the other side, I'm also hearing, I've heard some people, many, many people, calling for the Jews to be wiped out. Here's uh, an example of what I'm sort of talking about, where the lines kind of get blurred. This is the former PM of Israel, Bennett. He uh, is being interviewed here on Sky News. And, well, 
uh, I'll just let the clip roll. It really speaks for itself. The uh, the pe- person doing the interview, the the news anchor, asks Bennett about uh, about babies in uh, in Gaza who are suffering and maybe even dying because of water power being denied supplies being denied to the residents of Gaza. Anyway, here, listen to this. What about those Palestinians in hospital who uh, are on life support and babies and incubators whose uh, life support and incubator will have to be turned off because the Israelis have cut the power to Gaza? Are you seriously keep on asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's, what's wrong with you? Have you not seen what happened? We're fighting Nazis. We don't target them. Now, the world can come and bring them anything they want. If you want to bring them electricity, I'm not going to feed electricity or water to my enemies. If anyone else wants, that's fine. We're not responsible this is, for them. This is the point. But you this keep is on, the point. You, no, no, I, I want to tell you, no, no, listen, listen, you listen no, to me right now. Voice, I've heard trying, you enough. No, no, I understand. I, we're trying to have a conversation here. Listen, this no, is my you're, program. You're, you're this is my show. Have, and I am asking the questions. You're raising your voice, and I've asked you, and we've already, we've already stopped, please, and let me finish. We've already distinguished between Hamas. I want to tell you, you shame on you. You're trying to speak over me. We are not, shame on you. It's nothing about shame. We're trying to have a conversation about a very serious situation here, and you are refusing to address it. What's a Nazi? You know, I think people have a cliche in their head. It's like, a, is it the Steven Spielberg kind of Nazi? Or is it a Hogan's Heroes kind of Nazi? Or is it something other than that? What, what is a Nazi? Is a Nazi anyone that wants to kill a Jewish person? What is fascism? I don't think people really... No, I don't even think they give it that much thought, honestly, the general public. I'll tell you this, dead is dead. When people are killed, they're killed. They're dead. And what we've seen all the way around has been horrific. War is. There are rules of engagement. There are rules of war designed to protect civilians. We have the Geneva Convention, right? Oh, that seemed to go right out the window on both sides here, didn't it? So is like a Nazi, like someone who like has like, is extra evil? Um, I'm struggling with, with, you know, if like the level of evil. If someone's killing a civilian, if someone's torturing someone, if someone's bombing civilians, killing them, they're dead. At that point, does it really matter how they're killed? I suppose if you're torturing them, that that would be probably worse because there's more suffering. So I suppose there are more humane ways to kill people than other ways. That's why you have rules of war. But at the end of the day, they're all dead, dead people. Dead human beings. Human beings killing other human beings. 
Well, they're, they're more evil because they're Nazis. So the, when they kill, it's not justified. But when we kill, oh, that's justified because we're not Nazis or vice versa. And in this case, both sides are calling each other Nazis. And now we're seeing, you know, on the other side of this, we're seeing Hamas saying they are getting ready to execute the hostages one at a time every time there's another Israeli airstrike. And they're going to do it in a public way with video on social media. Biden has a hostage crisis on his hands, folks. As bad as maybe worse than the Iran hostage crisis. In fact, I would say it is worse. The Jimmy Carter faced in the 1970s. I don't know if uh, many of you are old enough to recall what happened. <laughs> Couldn't get them released. He had a... Uh, he tried to rescue them, sent in a, a special team, and the whole thing fell apart. Didn't work. The plan didn't work. A helicopter crashed in the desert, as I recall. That became uh, a, an additional embarrassment for the Carter administration. It cost him the presidency, ultimately. There was a, a coverage of it every single night on television, they had, you know, it was like a, a, a rolling count. The number kept going up every single day on the screen, the, the, the slide, the graphic over the news anchor's shoulders, which show how many days the hostages had been in captivity. And ultimately, Ronald Reagan, with his stance, and you may have different views on this. People will have different views on how it went down. But um, the hostages were finally released when Reagan won the election. And they were literally released as, as Reagan was being sworn in as president. The plane carrying the hostages home was landing. As I recall. different times, this is much worse for Biden. It just has not escalated in the, uh, in the public relations department or propaganda department or whatever department you want to want to call it. It just hasn't risen to the top of list of concerns for Americans. But I'll tell you, it's going to get there. I think it should. They have Americans being held captive. And tonight also, Canada has four people missing. We know that their identities remain unconfirmed at this time. Nonetheless, we have confirmed that four Canadian women who are missing from communities recently targeted by Hamas militants have not been accounted for. In two Harrowing instances, videos have now surfaced depicting the final moments before their sudden disappearance. Canadian Judith Weinstein 
Haggai, a retired English teacher, was embarking on a dawn walk with her Israeli husband, Gad, last Saturday. However, their tranquil morning was abruptly disrupted by a red alert issued by the Israeli government. This alert urged residents to seek refuge in their safe rooms as a barrage of rockets came down. During the, the terrifying ordeal, the 70-year-old woman was able to exchange text messages with her daughter using WhatsApp. And her daughter says her, her mom said that uh, she and her dad were face down on the fields and that there were hundreds of rockets shooting over their heads. It's essential to note that um, these folks live normally in, uh, in the Toronto area. Uh, anyway, four different women, Canadians, missing. Um, a plea has emerged for Canada to intervene in this situation. Five days following the mysterious disappearance of Canadian Sheer Georgie from, a, from that music festival, where people were attacked and murdered, her family stumbled upon a video circulating on social media. That video showcased the 22-year-old woman huddled with a group of other young people hiding from the Hamas militants. The uh, video depicts Georgie donned in a white shirt and a lavender scarf around her neck in what seemed like a trailer with a window. Um, a woman seated beside her exhibited a wrapped leg. Uh, apparently she had been injured. And a female security guard armed uh, scanned the area for possible threats through a window. Um, Vivian Silver is another woman who is missing. And uh, she's a Winnipeg-born peace activists, activist who has been living on the outskirts of the Gaza Strip. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie has declined to confirm the existence of Canadian hostages, emphasizing concerns about their safety. Nevertheless, Canada has pledged to send a team of experts now to aid Israeli negotiators in managing the ongoing conflict, which has now claimed at least 2,800 lives lost on both sides within a single week. But I would say stay tuned on that number because that is not the final word on it. That is not the final word. I have another video here tonight of uh, an Israeli soldier who is working to remove bombs, booby traps in public places. And I'll roll a little bit of this. I'll try to stop this video before the horrific conclusion. So this guy here, I'll just mute that audio. This guy here is removing this flagpole after removing what he thought were, what was uh, some sort of an explosive device. 
And this was posted by pro-Hamas, a Palestinian Hamas supporter. Um, and they were videotaping or video recording at the time. And what this soldier does not realize, does not know, is that this flagpole, the flagpole itself, as he's grabbing it and holding it and moving it around, he does not realize that it's actually the flagpole that is filled with explosives. I won't roll the rest. It detonates, and he and uh, the people he's with there, I'm not sure if they were killed, but if they weren't, I'd be very surprised. And how about George Bush, the man who took us into Iraq? Well, here's, here's George Bush weighing in on this tonight. Probably not the guy that I would want to hear from on this issue, but hey, everybody has an opinion. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be chaotic and it's going to be, look, it's a democracy and in a democracy, the people's voices matter and there's going to be a weariness. You watch, the world's going to be, okay, let's negotiate. You know, Israel's got to negotiate. They're not going to negotiate. These people have played, played their cards. They want to kill as many Israelis as they can, and negotiating with killers is not a, an option for the elected government of Israel. And so we're just going to have to remain steadfast, but it's not going to take long for people that's gone on too long. Surely there's a way to settle this through negotiations. Both sides are guilty. My view is one side is guilty, and it's not Israel. And what about Donald Trump? You know, I have to say that uh, when Trump was president, they, the foreign policy and the implementation, execution of that foreign policy was pretty effective far more effective than the Biden administrations. I uh, was listening to an interview with uh, Jared Kushner today, speaking about just that. And, uh, you know, their approach, it did work in terms of keeping peace. The Abraham Accords were a victory. And tonight, I think, you know, Donald Trump, again, even though he is not getting that much attention in the media with regard to this, some people are saying, hey, man, Trump was right. And uh, I've got this little compilation for you that uh, might give some perspective on, on that. Here we go. Here's Trump. For our part to call home, but this untapped potential, this tremendous cause of optimism, is held at bay 
by bloodshed and terror. There can be no coexistence with this violence. There can be no tolerating it, no accepting it, no excusing it, and no ignoring it. Every time a terrorist murders an innocent person and falsely invokes the name of God, it should be an insult to every person of faith. Terrorists do not worship God. They worship death. If we do not act against this organized terror, then we know what will happen and what will be the end result. Terrorism's devastation of life will continue to spread. Peaceful societies will become engulfed by violence. And the futures of many generations will be sadly squandered. If we do not stand in uniform condemnation of this killing, then not only will we be judged by our people, not only will we be judged by history, but we will be judged by God. This is not a battle between different faiths, different sects, or different civilizations. This is a battle between barbaric criminals who seek to obliterate human life and decent people, all in the name of religion. People that want to protect life and want to protect their religion. This is a battle between good and evil. When we see the scenes of destruction in the wake of terror, we see no signs that those murdered were Jewish or Christian, Shia or Sunni. When we look upon the strains of innocent blood soaked into the ancient ground, we cannot see the faith or sect or tribe of the victims. We see only that they were children of God whose deaths are an insult to all that is holy. But we can only overcome this evil if the forces of good are united and strong. And if everyone in this room does their fair share and fulfills their part of the burden. Terrorism has spread all across the world. But the path to peace begins right here on this ancient soil in this sacred land. America is prepared to stand with you in pursuit of shared interests and common security. But the nations of the Middle East cannot wait for American power to crush this enemy for them. The nations of the Middle East will have to decide what kind of future they want for themselves, for their country, and frankly, for their families and for their children. It's a choice between two futures, and it is a choice America cannot make for you. A better future is only possible if your nations drive out the terrorists and drive out the extremists. Drive them out. Drive them out of your places of worship. Drive them out of your communities. Drive them out of your holy land. Drive them out. 
Well, things are a whole lot different right now under Biden. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind And Vladimir Putin says Russia is ready to mediate the Israel-Hamas war. Moscow now standing ready to work with constructive partners, as they put it, in helping reach a ceasefire. Putin says what matters now is to stop the bloodshed. He was in Kyrgyzstan speaking. He says Russia is ready to coordinate with all constructive partners. I have, uh, I have this queued up and ready to go. Here's, here's Putin on this. He says I would like to emphasize that Russia is ready to coordinate with all constructive partners. He says we proceed from the fact that there is no alternative to resolving the Palestine-Israel conflict through negotiations. Their goal should be the implementation of the UN two-state formula. Which presupposes the creation of an independent Palestinian state with East Jerusalem as its capital. And coexisting in peace and security with Israel, which, of course, we also see this, which was subjected to an unprecedented attack in its brutality. And of course, it has the right to protection, has the right to ensure its peaceful existence. We need to take care of resolving this issue by peaceful means. In this situation, in this place, it seems to me that there are simply no alternatives. So, on that front, Russia, again, I think is on the high road. They've got the moral high ground in their response to this. However, you are seeing all of these Middle Eastern countries, Muslim nations lining up against Israel. And of course it is Russia and China that uh, are aligned with them. I need to check something here for you.
China also wants to be a peace broker in the Middle East. So they're saying, China now, <clears throat> and I know Leo called in last night and said, China has been the most silent of all the major players globally. Um, but I did see today earlier that China has responded to this. They're not getting much media attention on it, though. But his condemnations against Hamas have uh, been pouring in around the world. Beijing has refrained from calling out Hamas and uh, is instead seeking to present itself as neutral. And in a brief statement, this goes back to Sunday. China's foreign ministry called on relevant parties to remain calm, exercise restraint, and immediately end the hostilities. It repeated Beijing's support for a two-state solution to establish an independent state of Palestine as a way out of the conflict. Now, I also saw that uh, they were looking, I believe the most recent statement from China, also called, though, for very specific boundaries set up for Palestine, demanding that Palestine be given an independent state. So we'll keep following that as well. I, I don't know. It's interesting that that isn't getting more play, hasn't been getting more play. I can kind of see why the West, Western media doesn't want to talk a lot about those leaders, doesn't want to talk a lot about China and Russia with regard to this. I think it's because, you know, overall, so far what I'm seeing is initially, right out of the gate, Israel had the, uh, had the narrative going and had the, the support, I think, mostly of the public. But within a day, maybe even less than a day, I think that the, the support for Israel in, in, in terms of public opinion it began to shift pretty quickly. <clears throat> and I'd say that the, um, the U.S.-Israel position on this is, is not faring well in the court of public opinion. So that, that's going to be a major factor moving forward. So many people just keep pointing to that elephant in the room, that occupation in, uh, in Gaza. And, uh, and they're going to have to find a solution to it. And I don't think people are happy at all with the heavy-handed response, the brutal response that we are getting from Israel. I don't think people like it, and I understand why. Equally, I'm horrified by what I saw and what we've witnessed, what we've come to know and learn about the brutal attack on Israel from Hamas and everything escalating now.
All that being said, I'm glad that today's day of rage, day of jihad, so far has not erupted into any kind of massive worldwide day of terror. A few incidents, but nowhere near what many people were fearing might actually happen. So, and as I say, that hostage situation absolutely uh, a big problem for Joe Biden. Let's take a look at what's going on in New York. Here's, uh, here's footage of another protest in Times Square tonight. Here we go. But from what we're seeing, it looks peaceful. So that's the good news. And here's an airstrike. This also fresh footage. So this is a hot war, folks. This is a hot war. انزل يا اسرائيل يا غاشم المقصر انزل الله اكبر الله اكبر اسود يا ابني والله والله اسود 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 ما شاء الله تبارك الله ربنا ينصركم ربنا ينصركم وينصر الامه الاسلاميه جميعا الله اكبر الله أكبر. ده ما يجيبش ده يجيب تعالى. الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر انزل. الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر. You know, I think when people think of the Palestinians they, and, and their plight, you tend to think of people throwing rocks at tanks. But certainly, 
it's more complicated than that. In this case, we've seen thousands and thousands of missiles fired indiscriminately at Israel. And you can see that uh, they are armed. And they've been arming themselves as well in makeshift ways, trying to fight back in their own way over, over the past you know, number of decades, over five decades in these areas. Here's uh, more footage of uh, protest in downtown Miami. Those are Jews for Palestine, believe it or not. Here's more from New York where police are doing their best, doing their best to keep people safe. But uh, tempers are flaring. That's from freedomnews.tv. Go back, there's a little bit more here. Again, New York City, where police out full force. <laughs> This is Malaysia. Protests like this going on worldwide today. And this is in Jordan.
So again, that's Jordan. This is in Paris. And this actually is from yesterday. This is in Afghanistan. And here's our here's our friend Caleb Maupin in New York City in Times Square. Yeah. Friend of the channel, a friend of Maverick News, and uh, he's on the scene tonight. Here's Caleb. Important thing to remember about these rallies is that they could soon be illegal. Uh, they are outlawing pro-Palestine protests all over the world. Palestine flags have been outlawed in Germany and in France and in Britain. People have been arrested for waving pro-Palestinian flags. They are calling it hate speech, the same kind of cancel culture that liberals uh, generally use to silence conservatives is now being used against uh, the pro-Palestine left. And they are outlawing the displaying of Palestinian flags. Uh, it's a particularly outrageous thing. Now, here in New York City, there have been pro-Palestine rallies, and they've been widely demonized. Uh, there's been a lot of hate for the pro-Palestine rallies, uh, but they haven't outlawed them yet. Uh, the USA and its constitutional guarantee of free speech seems to be prevailing, for the moment at least. Uh, but there is widespread denouncing of these protests. As you can see uh, behind me, no one's intimidated by it, but the Democratic Socialists of America has apologized uh, for protesting in support of Palestine. Uh, there's been a huge campaign of condemnation piled on uh, to pro-Palestine protests. So, again, everyone's freedom's in jeopardy as governments around the world try to crack down on free speech in order to keep people safe or to crack down on political dissent or political views that they don't agree with or who knows what. But uh, when they take the right to protest away from one group, they're taking it away from you too. That's why I said in that interview two nights ago with Michael Bator of the People's Party of Canada, you know, my position on it is if you don't agree with somebody, it doesn't matter. You still need to protect their right to protest. Because the best way to combat bad ideas or bad messages is with better arguments. 
people who cheer for their adversaries to have their rights taken away are actually cheering to have their own rights taken away. What goes around comes around. Eventually, well, once you set the precedent, they can take the same right away from you when you ask for it to be taken away from someone you disagree with. And censorship has emerged as a major issue even before this war broke out, a major issue with, I would say, the Jewish community versus freedom groups. Anti-Hate Canada, the, um, the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, their position on censorship, the, the way that they've been promoting or encouraging or asking for censorship. And then you're seeing some freedom groups actually come out and oppose that. There has been opposition to it. Even here in Canada, you're seeing that kind of dividing line between anti-hate Canada, which is the Canadian equivalent of the ADL, and freedom groups. There will be more on that, you can be sure, in the months ahead. So... That's where we stand tonight, pretty much on, on this file, folks. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about a new petition that kind of addresses just about everything that people who cherish freedom have been asking for in terms of changes from the federal government in Canada. And take note, my American friends and family, what, uh, what this contains will be of interest to you as well, because these are universal concerns around the world because it deals with the globalists. So there is a new petition, petition E-4623, um, a petition to the House of Commons in Parliament. And this petition, it appears, has been filed by Conservative Member of Parliament Leslin Lewis. You may recall, or maybe not, that Leslin ran for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, was not successful, but uh, has emerged is a very prominent figure in Canadian politics, and tonight she has a new petition available through petitions.ourcommons.ca. It's a government website, so it's there in a very formal way. And it says, 
petition to the House of Commons and Parliament assembled, whereas Canada's membership in the United Nations and its subsidiary organizations, for example, the World Health Organization, imposes negative consequences on the people of Canada, far outweighing any benefits. Canada's agreement to participate in the UN WHO Comprehensive Agenda 2030 undermines national sovereignty and personal autonomy. Agenda 2030 and its Operational Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, Comprehensive Sexuality Education, UN Judicial Review, International Health Regulations, One Health and similar programs are being rapidly implemented absent the awareness and consent of the people or their elected representatives. SDGs have negative impacts on potentially every aspect of life, including religious and cultural values, familial relations, education, nutrition, child development, property rights, economic and agricultural productivity, transportation, travel, health, informed consent, privacy, and physical autonomy. Under the CSE, publicly funded educational institutions are damaging children while concealing information from parents. Normalization of sexual values and activities with regard to children are endorsed and enforced beginning at birth. It goes on. Next point, Agenda 2030 and secretly negotiated amendments to the IHR could likely impose unacceptable intrusive universal surveillance, violating the rights and freedoms guaranteed in the Canadian Bill of Rights and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and... These sweeping impacts on public and private life serve the interests of UN WHO, World Health Organization, and unelected private entities, for example, the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, International Planned Parenthood Federation, etc., while diminishing the health rights and freedom of Canadians. We, the undersigned citizens and residents of Canada, call upon the House of Commons and Parliament assembled to urgently implement Canada's expeditious withdrawal from the UN and all of its subsidiary organizations, including the World Health Organization. So far, 8,260 signatures, already getting momentum, and yes, you can sign it. And you can see that uh, Alberta, 1,855 people from Alberta have signed, 1,666 from British Columbia, 2,790 from Ontario, and the list goes on. Every province and territory has people who have signed on, and you can... Go right here and sign the petition yourself, digitally, electronically, online. Simple thing to do. And I will put the, uh, the link in the description right now. Well, I'll put it on the comments section. How about that? So if you are interested in checking that out and signing that petition, you can do so by going to that link. And let me put it in the rumble chat as well here we go
right, and hello everybody over there in Rumble Land. Thank you for watching on Rumble. There's the um, the link to the petition, the Leslin Lewis petition. Oh, I also have to say thank you, David Doyle, while I go in there, for the donation that you made through the Rumble Rants last night. Greatly, greatly appreciated. And yes, and a big thank you to Chris as well, who I know has uh, sent something in the mail. I just have not received it yet, and thank you very much. Um, greatly appreciated. We uh, we have bills to pay here this month, and they are upon us. The wolves are at the door, and they're a howling. Got to pay some bills. I have to uh, renew the subscription over on the um, the Bitshoot channel, actually, where we uh, they charge us a fee to upload our videos to their platform. So that's expired, and I need to come up with the cash for that. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe tonight or tomorrow, I'll be able to uh, to take care of that, and the videos on that channel will be restored. They're not viewable right now on the news channel over there. Apologize for that. Um, but yeah, thank you to everybody who has supported the the show. Greatly, 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 greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. If you want to support the show, you can do that directly by supporting free speech and free media and Maverick News at freedomreporters.com. Freedomreporters.com. Uh, you can also donate at maverickdonations.com. That's the Give, Send, Go account. And so that's been very helpful as well. And great people over there at Give, Send, Go. I've said this many times, super impressed with those folks, Christian-based organization. Love those guys. Most people, though, donate through the PayPal at freedomreporters.com, or you can use the Rumble Rants, still demonetized, probably for life, <laughs> over on YouTube, but so be it. They just don't care much about us over there, and that's okay. We are running on our secondary YouTube channel over there, though. So if you are watching on YouTube tonight, please subscribe if you haven't already. And to consider subscribing over on the Rumble channels. That helps us out as well. Uh, which is, you know, important to us, too, because they are the free speech platform, right? So we have all that going on, and we are going to take another quick break. I'll be right back. We are Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. through our feed here on our newswire and I do want to draw your attention to this court case out in Alberta where 
the province has scored a major victory over the Trudeau federal government in Canada. And this all relates to oil production pipelines. Um, this is about uh, Bill, Bill C-69, which has now been deemed unconstitutional and illegal. The court has found that Bill C-69, known as the Impact Assessment Act, is largely unconstitutional. This is a huge blow to federal government efforts to regulate Alberta's oil and gas projects. In short, the federal government was using this to wage war against the oil industry in Alberta, preventing the construction of new pipelines and rolling back, really, production of oil. So today, after the court decision, Alberta's premier, Danielle Smith, um, expressed extreme joy. <laughs> Let's go out to Alberta and pick up a Danielle Smith, where she reacts to today's court decision. Here we go. Our government Here is, is aware and watching events taking place across the world today. We're monitoring the situation in Alberta closely following low. the terrorist Here's, group okay. Hamas and their calls for acts of violence around the world today. And we ask for peace and safety in these very troubling times. Now to the news of the day. If you believe in fairness, common sense, and the sanctity of the Canadian Constitution, today is a great day. We are extremely pleased with the Supreme Court of Canada's decision confirming the unconstitutionality of the federal government's destructive impact assessment act. This legislation, also known as the No More Pipelines Act, but I've been calling it the Don't Build Anything Anywhere Act, is an existential threat to Alberta's economy. It is already responsible for the loss of tens of billions of dollars in investment and thousands of jobs across the country in many economic sectors. Today's ruling represents an opportunity for all provinces to stop that bleeding, rebuild investor confidence, and attract those jobs back into our economies. And today, I am pleased to see, uh, pleased to say that Alberta is once again open for business. The court ruled that the act and regulations are unconstitutional and reaffirmed the, that the primary jurisdiction of non-renewable natural resource development is the sole jurisdiction of the provinces. And the court also ruled that they do not apply to activities that primarily fall under provincial jurisdiction, including conventional oil and gas, oil sands, hard rock mining, and other similar non-renewable resource development. These are substantial wins for the protection of provincial rights in our constitution. The legislation gives the federal government almost unlimited power to intervene in the approval of virtually any major project or in any part of the country and for any reason. Businesses agree with us. Six other provinces, as well as First Nations, who joined as interveners, NGOs, and Canadians from across the country who made their voices heard. And today, so does the Supreme Court of Canada. And we will continue to fight against Ottawa's unfair overreach that continues with their uninformed and unrealistic electricity regulations and oil and gas emissions cap. They uh, will damage our economy, they will stifle development, they will erode constitutional rights, 
and they will ultimately harm all Canadians by putting jobs at risk and making life more expensive. Alberta will simply not accept being handcuffed by Ottawa's unfair overreach with another blatant attempt to erode and emasculate the rights of constitutional authority of the provinces as equal and sovereign orders of government. Today's decision significantly strengthens our legal position as we work to protect Albertans and all Canadians from federal intrusion into our provincial jurisdiction. And we will continue partnering with willing provinces, First Nations and other allies in fighting unconstitutional federal overreach using any and all legal means available to us. And this includes potentially introducing a motion under Alberta's sovereignty within the United Canada Act. I would like to thank the provinces, First Nations, business groups, NGOs and others who stood with us. And uh, stood for all Canadians. I would also like to thank former Premier Jason Kenney, who tirelessly fought back against federal overreach during his term as Premier. I hope that Ottawa will learn from this mistake. Now today, Minister of Environment and Climate Change Stephen Gibeau and Minister of Energy and Natural Resources Jonathan Wilkinson responded to this historic decision upholding the rights of provinces to develop their resources. They tried to position this as a win. It is not. They confirmed their plans to bring legislation back to Parliament to amend it. Clearly, they simply aren't listening. Gibault uh, does not seem to acknowledge how badly he lost. And Wilkinson, I heard him say that he hopes that this is the last time that we end up going to court. Well, there's one way to assure that. They need to drop their clean electricity regulations and they need to drop their emissions cap. That will be the way that we can assure that we can come to the table and work together. The entire reason we ended up in the Supreme Court was because the federal government acted illegally. They ignored the provinces, they ignored the Senate, and they ignored the many partners who have opposed this unconstitutional law all along. And creating the, the uncertainty that led to the withdrawal of projects like Tech's Frontier Mine that would have brought $20.6 billion in investment and thousands of jobs across the country. Enough is enough. It is time for Ottawa to stop legislating in provincial jurisdiction and work with us on shared goals. And that's why we call on the federal government to learn from the Supreme Court's decision that their ongoing efforts to seize regulatory control over the electricity grid and natural resource sectors of the provinces is unconstitutional and it's illegal. They do not have the right to thwart the economy, livelihoods and future of any Albertans or any Canadians. Instead, we once again invite them to come back to the table in good faith and work with Alberta to align our mutual efforts on 2050 reductions targets for emissions and the development of our uh, electricity grid and our world-class energy sector to make life better for all Albertans. We hope today's decision provides an opportunity for a reset in the ongoing federal provincial discussions on these issues because today we celebrate this important decision and we will continue protecting our constitution, responsibly managing our resources, protecting the environment, and making life better for all Albertans and indeed for all Canadians. Thank you, and I'd be happy to take questions. Thank you. We'll uh, start off with questions here in the room. We'll go with one question, one follow-up. If you want to make your way to the mic, and Emma, you have the floor. That person was tall. Um, Hi, Emma Graney with the Globe and Mail. Now, specific to the Impact Assessment Act, Ottawa is planning to rewrite the law, as they kind of have to do now. Um, what do you want to say to the feds about what it should do now, what it should put in the Impact Assessment Act based on the ruling? Well, look, 
I recognize that the federal government has jurisdiction over cross-border projects. I recognize that even though we have our differences on things like cross-border transmission lines and cross-border pipelines, we, we, uh, have, we would like to see more of those approved, but I recognize that is their constitutional jurisdiction, and we have never um, uh, attempted to override or suggest that they don't have the right to make those, uh, those kind of decisions. Where they went so wrong, though, is they presumed to step into our jurisdiction by trying to make decisions on major projects that fall completely, 100%, within Alberta borders and which we have historically always had the right to make decisions over. So that's the part of the act that needs to be removed. We'll continue to work with them on trying to get cross-border transmission and, and cross-border pipelines built, but they should not play cute on this. The, fe the, federal gov or the Supreme Court of Canada was very clear that the Constitution matters, the sections of the Act, Section 92, they should reread them again so that they can see that we have the exclusive jurisdiction over natural resource development and the exclusive jurisdiction over electricity development, and they should make sure that they honour that. And so when it comes to them, governments aren't known for moving super quickly sometimes. Are you concerned as a government at all that in resulting possible delays, because they are going to have to rejig some things here and what that might mean for Alberta's economy and what can you do as a provincial government to try and limit the impacts there on potential developments in Alberta? As I said, we're open for business. We'll uh, ask for people who have uh, been delayed in making uh, project approvals or project submissions. Start now because we're going to approve them. We have the constitutional authority to do it and they can, um, they can bring their laws into alignment with what the Supreme Court has decided. But we have always contended that the constitution matters, that our jurisdiction matters, and we're going to proceed full steam ahead. Thank you, and we'll go to next with the mic. Go ahead, Sean. Sean Polzer, Western Standard. Uh, you were obviously listening to the presser with uh, Wilkinson and uh, Minister Jabot this morning. Um, Minister Wilkinson made a comment that uh, the federal government had been acting in good faith, and he pointed to the energy roundtables as an example. And I'm um, just wondering um, how that would apply to the clean electricity regulations and also the impending uh, emissions cap. We have a table with the federal government to align their interests with the 2050 emissions reduction target to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. And they have not been acting in good faith because every other week we hear an announcement from Stephen Guibault that he wants to go outside that table discussion wants to have more aggressive emissions reduction caps on methane, wants to have a cap on oil and gas emissions, wants to bring through a net zero uh, electricity grid by 2035. All of those are unconstitutional. They need to align themselves with our 2050 targets and we're quite happy to work with them on that. And I think that this Supreme Court decision gives us the power to exert that at the table. So I'm hopeful that we can actually get back to the table in good faith, that they will rescind any public declaration that they want to proceed with those caps or the electricity grid changes, and then we can get back to, to uh, working towards our shared goals. But I don't think that they, uh, if they are trying to pretend that they somehow still have the right to proceed with those offensive pieces of legislation that are clearly in our jurisdiction, they're fooling themselves. It's illegal, and we're just not going to stand for it. Uh, Mr. Jibo also made a comment about um, the moratorium on renewable and uh, $30 billion backlog of projects in the book, and that somehow, without mentioning you specifically, that you should uh, more or less be glad that they were providing some certainty and clarity around those rules. Oh boy, they just don't stop, do they? That's a joke. 
um, Minister Guibo has done more damage to our investment climate in this province than probably any single federal minister I've ever seen. Um, I can tell you that the moratorium um, it's just a pause. We're, we're only a few months away from announcing the new rules, and we've been very clear about what it is that we're looking for. We're looking for some certainty that these projects are not going to be built on prime agricultural land or interfere with our beautiful viewscapes. We've also been clear that there has to be a plan for how they're going to be reclaimed at the end because each one of those turbines will cost an estimated $1 million to remove, and we want to make sure that a landowner isn't left footing the bill for that. We want to make sure that we're putting them in a place where we have existing transmission and distribution lines so that we're not unnecessarily adding additional cost. And we have to make sure that there is backup, like reliable natural gas, in order to be able to bring on and back up unreliable wind and solar. So we are going to continue with a framework that allows for investment in solar and wind. And quite frankly, when we announced the pause, we had $23 billion worth of projects in the queue. We now have $41 billion of soil, solar and wind projects in the queue. So that looks to me like people are still looking at Alberta. They're still excited about the opportunity. They're waiting for some clarity. They'll get that clarity from us because it's under our constitutional responsibility. We have the exclusive right, as the Supreme Court determined today, to exercise under Section 92, and that includes electricity, and that's what we'll do. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sean. And Jason, go ahead. Uh, good still, still morning. Good morning, Premier. Sorry, microphone was muted there. So we'll pull out of that. Big win for the province of Alberta. Big win for people who are pro-oil, pro-production. Pro Big loss for the Trudeau Liberals. Should pave the way to new investment, but not going to be easy because the federal government will come back and they will try to block in other ways, you will see. And because they still need to get the oil to market, they will need to come up with some creative solutions because if they go across the country, across Canada, well, you've got some issues, right? So we'll see where it goes. Um, but yeah, unconstitutional, illegal, uh, Justin Trudeau just got spanked. is watching. 
Okay, so I know this will be a particular interest to our viewers, in particular Canadian viewers. <clears throat> but if you are watching in the United States or other parts of the world, it may be of interest to you too, because this is about QAnon, or at least the one QAnon group that follows Queen Romana de Dulo, the self-proclaimed Queen of Canada. And as we've reported on this program, uh, the the Queen de Dulo followers have taken up residence in a vacant school, an old school, in the town of Richmond, Saskatchewan. And people there have been very concerned about it. They're fearful of these folks staying in their community. They rolled in there. They're staying in this old school. Apparently there's no electricity. There's no, I don't even know if there's running water in the place. But anyway, they're planning to stay there for the winter. And it has been a source of friction. Well, now police, the RCMP, they have charged a 59-year-old man, Ricky Manns, with one count of assault following an investigation into an altercation which uh, took place between two men on October 7th. Nobody was injured, but Manns is the reported owner of that abandoned school where Queen Romana Dadulo and her followers have now been uh, residing since September 13th. So, yeah, this is just uh, coming in here. So this is an old incident, but now a new charge. And uh, residents are concerned about this QAnon group. And there was a community meeting earlier this week where residents were assured there really should be no safety risk, but uh, the mayor, Brad Miller, says that things in his community are escalating with regard to this, and he is obviously concerned. So we're keeping an eye on that, and that kind of made me think about the shows that I have done recently about government-run psyops, psychological manipulation, information warfare, the use of social media to get into people's heads. And then there's this clip that I came across from, with the, well, with the QAnon shaman. Remember him? Jacob Chansley? He went to jail after the J6 incident. He probably would still be there if it uh, hadn't been for Tucker Carlson featuring his particular story on Fox News when Tucker was still there. Well, I came across this, and Chansley talks about psychological manipulation in this video. I just find it interesting. I haven't even seen the whole thing. I only had a moment to watch a small portion of it, but we're going to watch it together right now and uh, see if this enlightens us in any way. Psychological operations are largely based on three factors. Number one is neuro-linguistic programming. That is the use of certain uh, words, linguistics, 
to program the neurons or the pattern of neurons in the brain, in, in particular the subconscious portion of the brain, to affect the way that a person consciously perceives reality. Okay. Okay. Number two, you have something called critical factor bypass. Critical factor bypass is where you saturate the entirety of the environment in the media, newspapers, magazines, television shows, in the corporate world, in banking, you name it, in schools, colleges. You saturate all of them with a very specific message and you repeat it over and over and over and over again, okay? Now, what happens then is that the subconscious mind, because it sees it everywhere, it assumes that it must be true, that this has to be real because it's everywhere in the environment. So it programs, once again, the subconscious mind to affect the way the conscious mind perceives reality. Now, based on neurolinguistically programming the individual and mass neurolinguistically programming the populations through critical factor bypass, why they call it that is because your critical thinking is bypassed because it's programmed in the subconscious brain. That creates something called mass formation hypnosis, okay? Where 25 to 30% of the population believes this external stimuli, believes and is programmed by this material. They're just sheep, sheeple. Sheeple, okay. okay? So in order for mass formation hypnosis to occur, that 25 to 35, uh, 25 to 30% of the population has to gain some sort of heightened level of radicalism where they scream the loudest and then they get a hold of the levers of power, right? Now, when it comes down to stopping this process from happening, all you need is 5% or more of the population to not become hypnotized and say, no, this is ludicrous, you are nuts, we are not doing that. Now, we've seen the effects of mass formation hypnosis, critical factor bypass, and neuro-linguistic programming in Nazi Germany. We saw it with the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and the USSR. We saw it in the Red Revolution in China and the Chinese Communist Party, okay? So we've seen the effects of this process, and it is psychological warfare, okay? Now, when it comes to Q and the Q operation, and the reason I say it's a psychological operation is this. This is how it differs. The Operation Mockingbird Media, what I call the Mockingbird Media, Operation Mockingbird, CIA, infiltrating the media outlets, yep. right? So the Mockingbird Media uses the techniques I just laid out to program the populations so that they can use this propaganda to go to war. And then they can transfer public money into private hands. You see? So it's a, it's, it's a whole scheme. I think the headline was right. Not so, not looking so crazy now, is he? That was, that was enlightening. Yeah, he might run around looking like Chewbacca, but that guy's got a brain. Here's um, something else to think about as well, because we're talking about, uh, you know, warfare, the war in Ukraine. Russia, well, today, the, and I'll bring this up here onto the screen. So this is today, Parliamentary Assembly. And this is in Europe. Condemns Russian aggression against Ukraine, calls for comprehensive, just, and lasting peace. 
So this is the Parliamentary Assembly Council of Europe. And uh, so today they condemned Russia's ongoing, as they put a war of aggression against Ukraine, stressing the importance of upholding Council of Europe standards and calling for a united front to stop the aggression and win a peace which is comprehensive, just and lasting, ensuring that the rule of law prevails over the rule of force, as they put it. Uh, the resolution adopted by the Assembly based on the report by Julian Bulai of Romania underlines the, that achieving peace means supporting the victory of Ukraine militarily, financially, politically, and diplomatically at bilateral and multilateral level and recognizing, quote, the nature, extent, and gravity of the crimes committed by the Russian Federation, unquote. Therefore, in its resolution, the PACE has set several priorities and recommends in particular... Uh, the countries represented in the conference of participants of the Register of Damage to swiftly advance to ensure the Register of Damage is operational as soon as possible. Yeah, I guess, in other words, start to calculate the level of damage because they're going to be looking for reparations, if victorious, I guess. Push for setting up an international compensation mechanism for the victims and support the creation of a special international tribunal for the crime of aggression. Support for international bodies like the International Criminal Court and the Joint Investigation Team to investigate and prosecute war crimes and crimes against humanity committed or ordered in Ukraine since the beginning of the aggression in 2014. Again, in quotation marks. Um, and the widest possible support of President Zelensky's peace formula and to assist Ukraine in its struggle to defend its independence, sovereignty, and territorial integrity. And finally, oh yes, and there's also recognize the Great Famine, the Holodomor, as an act of genocide and adopt resolutions commemorating the victims. Finally, the Parliamentary Assembly resolves to maintain dialogue and cooperation with democratic opposition forces in Russia and Belarus, which respect Council of Europe values, including the specific criteria established in this regard, support the victory of Ukraine, respect the territorial integrity of Council of Europe member states, and publicly condemn Russian aggression. So there's that. And that's the other side of the story and there's your balance and here's live feed out of Palestine this is uh, again these are the live cam this is the live cam footage that we brought to you last night and we bring it to you again now showing you what's going on in Gaza as we speak there's truth for you elusive truth to be sure but that is what it looks like tonight. Not seeing any explosions at the moment. But that is what we're looking at. I also have for you the, uh, I found the video of that attack in Beijing against that staffer from the Israeli embassy where he was stabbed but I'm not sure I should run it it's pretty violent on this 
day of rage or day of jihad, whatever, however you want to characterize it or call it. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys want to see it? I'll ask you. I'll just wait for a response in the chat there. Tell me if you want to see that video of the attack in Beijing. I don't know how much it adds. Can't I can't decide here on the fly. I don't know, folks. What are we saying in the chat tonight? Anyway, let's just take a look in here. Um, I'm over on Rumble. I'm looking in here. And uh, anybody saying anything of note? Um, Pam is saying that Putin looked pretty good on that horseback. Yeah, that was a f shot, an image that went around the world, wasn't it? Vladimir Putin with his shirt off riding that horse. Looked like a looked pretty fit. And hello, the Kron. Hello, I'm saying hi back. And old Saucy says, show us your... N oh, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, Anesty says, see what? The video, Anesty, of the attack in Beijing. There was a guy who was stabbed. There was a guy who was stabbed. And the thing of note is the petition we almost signed. D is talking about that. Yes. That's right. That's the important thing. I think one of the most important things uh, in tonight's broadcast is that petition to sign. Because it's all about just, I think it addresses just about every issue we talk about here almost on a nightly basis, isn't it? So I'm not seeing any strong reaction to this like people really seem to want to see it or not. No, I'm not going to run it. Okay, so enough of that. What else do we have lined up tonight? Have we covered most of the stuff? I think we kind of have. Yeah. Yeah, man, we've covered a lot of ground tonight, haven't we? We certainly have. I thought that uh, clip with Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, I thought that was pretty revealing. Stick with me. I'll be back in just one moment. Fear not the storm. For truth is on our side. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, we're going to go to the phones, and if you haven't called into this show before, I would really like to hear from you. If you've thought about calling in, I'll put you right to the top. I'll put you on right away. Really would like to hear some new voices on the end of that phone line tonight. Um, we'll go to the phones and take a, you know, a few calls. Uh, you know, we get a lot of regular callers on this program, but I'd sure like to, uh, to be exposed to some new vocal cords and some new points of view. So 
feel free to call in. Don't be afraid. I don't bite. Not very hard anyway. Not unless you you really, 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 really cross my wires. Cause a short circuit. And then I do that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to run this. Here's the phone number to call. Call now, call often. Exercise your right to free speech by phoning this number. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-FREE. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Okay, so I'm back, and you can join the conversation by calling 1-833-975-3733, 1-833-975-3733. Come on, new callers. Don't be chicken. It's fun and educational for me when you call in and share your views. And uh, Leo sent me something. Before we go to the phones, I'll share it with you. Remember he was talking about that uh, lottery ticket that he had where he came close to winning. How much was it? 30-some million or something? Let me just find this here. He sent me an image of the lottery ticket. So let's put it up. We'll show you. He wasn't bluffing. He wasn't fibbing was not fibbing at all. What's this one here? Oh, he's also showing me that Jerry made a donation. Thank you, Jerry, man. Wow. $50. Unbelievable. Thank you, sir. Helps more than you know. More than you know. Here's Leo's ticket. Okay, here it is. Let's bring that up show you this he was one number off from winning the grand prize which would have made him a multi 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 millionaire okay so there's the shot so this was back in 2019 27th of september and a lotto max ticket and what did he have here he was the last digit i guess he said was was the one that he didn't get. So he still won, I think he said last night, $4,000. But that's a far cry from the, what, the $33 million or whatever it was that he would have won. But that's how close he came. That's a great story, though. He didn't lose. He still came out a winner, as far as I'm concerned, because he has a great tale. Almost like a fish story, right? A story about the, the big one that got away. Okay, here's the image of the ticket. The Lotto Max ticket. 
the big one that got away, but he's not fibbing. It's not a, it's not just a fish story. It's truth. And he's, he has the receipt right there to prove it. Great story. And he says he still feels sick to his stomach every time. Every time. Let's see. Okay. Let's get back to the phones here. one 3733 And if you've called before and you want to call in, you can still call in. I'm just encouraging new people to call in. We'd really like to get someone new on the phone tonight instead of the... Uh, the regular crew of Maverick, uh, Maverick reporters out there. So, don't, don't, don't be shy. Call in now. Call often. Maybe I've scared everybody off. Are we running here? We are. Yep. Phone lines are up and ready to take your calls at 1-833-975-3733. Let me just uh, run this promo and I will be right back. Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, and again, the number to call, one 975 3733 1-833-975-FREE. Free call for you, toll-free line, but not free for us. We have to pay for the system and the line, and we pay by the minute when we're doing the show to run the system. And so thank you again, Jerry, for that donation. Really, 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 really helps. Thank you. And uh, here's Charlotte. First, okay. <laughs> first caller of the night. Hello. Hello. How are you? Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Well, uh, that's good. I was just trying to get rid of the background sound. Sure. Well, what I want to talk about is this Hamas against Israel. I'm confused now. Okay. 
I I find myself sympathetic on both sides. Sure. I understand. So So I like I'm really like I have I feel like it's uh another wedge between everybody. No doubt. It is. So So sounds like you've got it you're screwed on pretty straight to me. What are you confused about? Well, I'm confused what side I should be on. I don't know. Well, honestly, like, <laughs> honestly, it, uh, it sounds I don't to, think I need a side, but... Why, why do you need to take a side? It's... You know what it's I'm saying? It's very hard like, to say. I, I know what you're saying. I, I shouldn't have to take a side, but I feel like it's another one of these issues where if you don't take a side, you're on the wrong side. Mm. I think sometimes people are too quick to take a position and take a side on something, especially when it's a complex issue that maybe they don't fully understand, that maybe don't understand all the history, don't have all the information, and yet they still take a stand just because of what they're seeing on media, mainstream media, social media, maybe because of social pressure, maybe because they want to be part of a, a group or they don't want to alienate themselves from their friends. I think sometimes, honestly, uh, it takes more courage to not take a stand and just sit there and say, I don't know enough to take a stand. To, to take a position on this issue. And until I figure it out, I'm not going to commit one way or the other. That also takes courage. Um, and I think it, it shows a person's character to admit sometimes when they don't fully understand something. Yeah, well, you're right. You're right. You know, like, would you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar That's problem right here yeah, with my, my cause. I have a similar problem with my <laughs> with my best friend. <laughs> he barks at me all the time. Yep. <laughs> to get my attention. Telling me to go to bed and stop yapping. <laughs> yeah, I. I well, it's, that's good. Like that's okay. I don't feel so alone when I get talking about it, yeah. but when I talk to family. Everybody seems to want to pick a side, and I, I feel like, like, I don't, yeah. I, like you say, I don't know enough. I don't know. I feel bad for everybody. Well, I just don't want us all involved in some kind of uh, nuclear war, like you say. Like, why do we have to be dragged into these confrontations that we? Everybody just wants to get along, do we not? Yeah. Yeah. You're not alone. You're not alone. I'm I'm basically neutral on this. I don't see any good coming from any of the violence. I don't see any good coming from the the attack from Hamas. I don't see any good coming from the now the counterattack or response from Israel. All I'm seeing is escalation. And I see too many people attached to the past and not focused enough on the future. Um you know, it's just uh, if 
you, you, we need a, a peaceful way forward, but no one wants to listen to a message like that right now when emotions are running so high. But you are not alone. There are many of us out there who are basically neutral on this and, and, and just, I'm concerned about the people. And I, don't, I want the killing to stop, and I just want people to have a good life where, where children are not being bombed and people are not being shot, civilians. This is horrific on both sides. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, really, that's, that's the main it thing. Is. I'm pro-peace. I'm not, you know, I'm like, let's just end the killing and then work toward a solution. But... They haven't worked toward a, a real solution there for a long time. I mean, they've tried at times, but uh, <laughs> um, it depends on who you talk to, on which side, how sincere each side has been about it. I, I just, and the other thing I don't want to do is I don't want to import the problems from other parts of the world to my country. I, I want to help support peaceful resolutions, but I don't want to import exactly, days exactly. of wage or days of jihad to my country. I'm not. I'm not into that either. So, my goodness, you're not alone. My father was an immigrant, and when he came here, he had to learn the language and to be a Canadian. Mm -hmm. And these people can come here and keep their their war with them, their their ideology, and 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 they're free to uh, demonstrate in the streets their uh, racism, and it just it just I don't know. I, I I'm getting too old for this. Yeah, me too, me too. And the, and the more I see it, the the more it bothers me. Actually, it's like. You know, this is Canada where I live, right? So it's, this is Canada. And I'm like, why are you all out there on the streets? Like, you know, what, but, you know. Like, it's not on, Canada. It's not Canada. That's right. On the other side of that, though, I mean, I also understand that Canada is part of the United Nations. After World War II, our involvement in the war, you know, we supported the creation of Israel. And from that, now we have the situation that we're in right now. So in that way, we do have some responsibility. And, you know, I, I also don't want, you know, the problem that we're also running into, and this is pretty extreme, but in, in, in the, what I'm going to say is if we don't support Israel, at least with some level of uh, means to defend itself, then eventually its adversaries will roll right over Israel. And you're, you're looking at a, if not a complete extermination of Jewish people, you're, you're looking at horrific losses that could amount to a real genocide, a real genocide. On the other side, if you give mm -hmm. too much aid to Israel and don't, don't provide it with some conditions and restrictions, you get what you have now which is the, re the counterattack also leveling homes with civilians killed, and that's not acceptable either. So it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario as far as I'm concerned. But um, 
I, that's why, I, you know, the only real, you don't get peace with war. If you want peace, stop killing. At some point, somebody has to stop and say, you know what? You gave me a bloody nose or worse, a lot worse, but we're not going to do anything. We're going to stop. If you stop, just stop. Yeah. So, but everybody's got to that. That's a very simplistic thing I just said. But, you know, uh, the point is, you don't get peace with war. You might yeah. get some peace through strength, but I, I think ultimately you get real strength through peace. Well, we all understand that there's so much money in war that it's going to continue. Yes. Yep. And... and that's one of the things that we have no control over that depressing. Yeah. Yep. And they'll continue with their propaganda to manufacture consent and support so that they can continue to spend the money and yeah. transfer the cash from the public to private hands. Charlotte going to move on. Got another caller in the queue. Okay. Thank you very much for calling okay, in tonight. It's great. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the conversation. Yes, thank you. Make sure you call back. I see you've called before, oh, well. but I really Good enjoyed night. it. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, talk Goodbye. to I think it's Andy is on the line. Go ahead. Yes, that's correct. How are you tonight? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to start the conversation by saying if Hamas laid down their arms, there'd be peace. If Israel laid down their arms, they'd all be dead. That's the difference here. I understand what you're saying. That's why I say By, if we don't. Yeah, uh, I, 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 get it. Jew- I get it. I'm I'm Jewish. I have family in Israel. Yeah. Uh, I lived there for six months. I did a semester abroad. Um, I'm under no illusion that Israel has done things perfectly since given their statehood. However, if you're put in a house and someone puts a wild tiger in the house and says, yeah, we know this tiger wants to eat you, but you're really not allowed to hurt it. Yeah. Good luck. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a difficult situation. To say the least, yeah. Um, so again, I, I look at this, again, I, I'm... Uh, I, I could make an argument. I guess I'm biased because, like, I, for reasons I just said, mm-hmm. but I try to look at this situation very objectively. And, like I said, Israel has done plenty wrong, and the far right in Israel is is out of hand. Um, what the Hasidic want to do, I don't think a lot of people realize. The majority of Israel is secular. Before this last attack, most secular Jews, they hate the Hasidic more than they hate Palestinians. The Hasidic are a curse to Israel, which for reasons I could explain, but they're, they're the worst. Um, right now, yeah, the bigger concern are Hamas and the Palestinians. Um, but the, you know, the Hasidic are one of the biggest... Uh, roadblocks to peace. However, they're not the majority in Israel. They're the minority. Though I could make an argument what 
Trump has done in this country with MAGA and the the lunacy that Trump has brought into this country. Um, Netanyahu has kind of done the same thing with the Hasidic. Mm. Trump Trump hates people in MAGA. He despises them. He has no interest and nothing in common with those people. They're too dumb to know it, but, you know, some rich guy in New York that only wears suits and a real estate mogul doesn't exactly have a lot of in common with some dude making 13 an hour working the counter at 7-Eleven in Arkansas. Just not a lot in common. But Trump is quite the charlatan. He's convinced a lot of those people that he's their guy. So just like Trump has used the MAGA base for his own purposes, Netanyahu has done the same thing with the Hasidic. Um, and, and like, like Trump, Netanyahu has been indicted. He's got legal problems. So what better way to try to manipulate things, but start a government with the Hasidic and Hey, let's change the rules of the game. I'm no expert on the Israeli constitution and, and their laws, but Netanyahu's trying to neuter their Supreme Court. Netanyahu has greatly divided the country. Yes. Unfortunately, Hamas has reunited it for the time being. But what I'm saying is um, the way Trump utilizes MAGA is very similar to the way that Netanyahu uses the Hasidic, even though he has very little in common with them and probably does not really like them at all. Um, but getting back to Hamas, the, the point is that the, the majority of Israel wants peace. If, if you said to Israelis, here, sign on the dotted line here, uh, the Palestinians will have Gaza and the West Bank, in fact, give them East Jerusalem as well for their capital, but in return, you will have guaranteed peace. Every secular Jew in Israel would sign off on that in a heartbeat. Yep. But they that. can't, because there's no way to guarantee peace. Israel, if you look at a map, at its, at its narrowest point, is eight miles wide. Eight. It, there's, but if there was a magic way to ensure... Uh, their, their, their security and, and peace, they, they'd sign off in a heartbeat. I, Hamas and the Palestinians would not. The, you know, yeah. the, the Palestinians were given back the Gaza Strip in 2005. Mm -hmm. So have they tried their best to build a society and build an economy and make a thriving society? Absolutely not. All they've done is figure out how can we kill Israelis? How? how I mean, their charter is the destruction of Israel. Well, it, yeah, it's I, not. I, a, it's not a secret. I, I know that you know, as they would send building materials in for them to build homes, 
they would take those building no, materials and they take better, the, the better pipes to make and, missiles. Yeah, they they turn the pipes into bombs yeah. and they'd use the materials to build tunnels yeah. instead of building homes. Yep. Right. And 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 make your make your rocket factory uh, right next to the hospital yeah. or right next to the daycare center. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's awful. These people. What what I don't understand, and I would like to know, is the typical person in uh, the typical Palestinian in the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. I have no understanding or grasp of what percentage support Hamas. Clearly, there are some people that get it and know that Hamas is driving them off a cliff and doesn't care. Yeah. Um, but I think there's other Palestinians that hate Hamas and w- wish they were gone. Yeah. But let's just say, uh, like in a lot of parts in the world, dissent is not exactly tolerated in the Gaza. If you're not happy with Hamas, uh, you don't express that sentiment because you'll be killed. This is why we support countries like Israel and, frankly, why we should be doing more to help Ukraine. But that's a whole other story. Um, but in, in, in utopia, in a perfect world, yes, war doesn't get you anywhere. But it, it's not a perfect world. There's evil out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Muslims are evil. The majority of Muslims are perfectly fine, regular people that want the same thing that Christians do or Jews do and that most people do. But there's an element of the Muslim world that's out of their friggin' minds. They're fanatics. Um, and they're, they're very dangerous and they're evil. And I don't think there's a way there, there's not, you know, it's just like the mullahs in Iran you can't negotiate. You can't, they don't want peace. They don't want, you know, the Israelis there. So while I'm not quite sure what Israel should do, um, because bombing the hell out of Gaza, like, I don't know where that really gets Israel. Been there, done it. Um, it, it, The Israelis have a term or a saying called mowing the lawn. They, they got to mow the lawn periodically, and that's what they're going to do. But you know what? The weeds always come back. Yeah. What, what I'd like to know, and I haven't heard the media ask this of uh, Israelis or, or you know, the, the, the government, is you know, they, they want to eradicate Hamas. Well, well, who doesn't? I mean, that would be wonderful. But I, I don't understand how they do that. Hamas is not, they're not wearing uniforms. They're not card-carrying member of Hamas, you know, oh, we found your membership card in your wallet. Um, Short of going into the Gaza and detaining or killing every male between the age of 18 and 60, which I'm not advocating for, but short of that, I don't know how you eradicate Hamas. Yeah, well, I I, 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 I think that's an important point because... You know, I think when they say they want to eradicate Hamas, what they're really doing is they're going to the public with that kind of messaging, looking for support so they can kind of do whatever they want. It's like uh, re reigniting the war on terror, right? Yeah, it's look. My my dad is this way. I had a conversation with him last night. Oh well, there. And my dad's in his early eighties. He's not 
the most clear level thinker, but you know, he talked tough, like, well, we'll just go in there and I'll make it a parking lot and we'll flatten them. And it's like, okay, that makes you feel good for a day or two. And look what we did. But like, you know, you're going to kill a lot of innocent people, but also like, what is that going to, where is that going to get you? It's not, you're not going to accomplish your goal with that approach. You'll buy yourself some time, yep. but the, the weed's going to come back. And angry. But, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't know how angrier. you eradicate the weed. I really have not. Yeah, it, yeah absolutely. Um, I, I also think more should be made of the fact um, the majority of the Arab world, they don't like Jews and Israelis. But do you know who they dislike kind of even more? Palestinians. Does anyone see all the Arab countries running to come help the folks in Gaza? Not really. Not really. The, the Palestinians have been, over the years, have been a, a very effective tool for Arab countries because if you're the leader of Egypt or Jordan or, uh, you know, pick any Arab country, well, when you've got problems at home, what better way to deflect attention from that but then to bring up the plight of the Palestinians and, and, and how they're being screwed and how evil Israel is and, you know, God forbid there were peace and whatever, like, and, and, and an Arab country's economy was going to crap, they wouldn't know what to do. Well, wait, we, can't, we can't blame Israel anymore. Who's our, who's our new boogeyman going to be? Um. Yeah, I, I don't know what the the answer is. And again, I want to reiterate, by no means has Israel uh, done things perfectly. But when someone puts a tiger in your house, it wants to eat you, but you're not allowed to hurt it. You're going to make mistakes. It's a really shitty position to be in. Now, what would you say to, you know, I watch, for instance, Richard Medhurst. And his position on this would be, well, it's not the Israelis' house. They're in the Palestinians' house. And, and because they're occupying someone else's house, what do you expect? You know, they're, they're, you're in somebody else's house, so they're going to come in and, uh, and, and take it back. They're defending their home. It's, it's a valid question, but we can go back through the Bible history and the Palestinians were there, the Jews were there, then the Palestinians, like, like, it's, I don't know, no one knows, no one, um, you know, and the reality is, look, you, uh, here's another big problem, Israel. Look, let's just say there was peace tomorrow. Hooray, there's peace, wonderful. Israel's got a problem still. Forget the internal strife between the Hasidic and the, uh, the secular, which is an enormous issue. But you know what's another huge issue for Israel? Even if they had peace. There's an Arab population in Israel. Yeah. Okay? They, at least on paper, you know, and again, I, I'm sure they're, you know, I don't want to say it's akin to African Americans here in the U.S. in the 50s, but, but there is a little of that. On paper, they're equal, but in reality, they're maybe frowned upon or not treated as they should be. But the birth rate for Israeli Arabs is much, much higher than the birth rate for Jews. So even if they had peace, 
And again, I'm not a mathematician. I don't know the exact numbers, but the trends show that the Arabs in, I don't know, 50 years, 80 years, something like that would become the majority, which, you know, I have to admit as a Jew, like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable and happy with, it's fine if Arabs want to live in Israel, they're citizens, but yeah, that is kind of problematic. Like it, it needs to be a Jewish country because there is no other Jewish country and th- that would be a problem. But again, that's a down the road problem. That's, that's not even, <laughs> there's too many other problems to try to tackle than, than what I just mentioned. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation. Both sides deserve some blame, but for every shred of blame, uh, uh, in my opinion, to Israel, there's six or seven things you can blame Hamas and the Palestinians for. They, they really, they don't want to, you know, again, the, the charter of Hamas is the eradication of, of Israel. What, what more needs to be said? What do you make what I, again, of, what, do what I don't of, understand is, sir, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to ask you, what do you, what, what, what do you make of people who point and say, well, we're fighting Nazis? What, what, what do you make of that? Um, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a loose analogy. Um, I think there's some validity to it. it it's, in some regards, it's accurate. In some regards, it's totally inaccurate. Um, look, the Nazis were to some extent, a cult of personality, Hitler. Uh, you, you don't have that in Hamas. Uh, the Nazis were an official government entity. That was the, you know, the ruling body. Whereas, okay, Hamas was voted into power in t- 2006, but there's been no election since. And, you know, it's not a normal functioning government and, and, and country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people make the analogy because well, the, the Nazis wanted to eradicate the Jews. Uh, and I personally lost a lot of family in the Holocaust. Um, but, um, but yeah, Hamas and the Palestinians, many of them, not all, but many of them feel the same way. Yeah, we want the Jews gone. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just also mentioned, like, this is true in the West Bank and also in the Gaza. They, they teach the kids to hate. So these kids are indoctrinated real early on. Yep. Um, what, as a Jew, what I'm ashamed of and not happy with is the far right in Israel. They do the same bullshit. They, I've seen videos or heard from relatives and stuff that these nutjob settlers you know, the ones that Netanyahu is, you know, that's his MAGA people. Um, these settlers and these religious fanatics, yeah, they're, they're almost just as dangerous to some degree as um, as the nuts, you know, the uh, extreme Islamics uh, or Islamists. But, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not allowed to run amok. If, if they were, they'd probably be no different than Hamas. 
like I said, typical Israelis who are secular. Um, if we if we were talking about this a week ago, I'd say, oh yeah, my relatives in Israel. Okay, they might not be thrilled with the Palestinians, but they hate the Hasidic more. The Hasidic are a bigger problem, and I don't think that gets enough coverage, and people don't understand that. Again, not that Americans and Canadians are going to understand every uh, every you know every nuance of the situation, but I guess what's also very upsetting to me is obviously what happened last weekend is beyond upsetting, but the the pro Palestinian sentiment uh, here in the U.S. at least on some of these college campuses, uh, with, with some of the Muslim groups. And I mean, if I was a Palestinian here in the U S okay, I get it. You, you, you may not have the warmest of feelings for Israel, but how can anyone watch what happened and, and cheer it? Like think this is the greatest thing I've seen ever. Like it's, it's a disease. It's it's horrible. It's appalling that people could think that way. Yep. Um, I'm going to go off on a bit, a bit of a tangent here. There's an interesting movie I want to see. It hasn't been released yet, and I forget the name of it. Um, it it's about the Nazis, uh, you know, obviously in the 30s and, and early 40s. But it, it's about the Nazis not the war, not the, but, but just their everyday life that, you know, it, 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 I think it follows a certain family and the father is like the commandant of a concentration camp and, and his, he's got a beautiful home right next door to the concentration camp with a nice garden. And, uh, you know, again, I haven't seen the movie, but I've read about it. And, It's all about how this family, they seem like totally normal people. Very nice. They have a pet dog. They like to bake things. They, the kids uh, like to, you know, make artwork, whatever. They play sports. It's a totally normal family. Except they live next to a concentration camp, and the father is the head of the camp. And, it, and like, the point of this movie is it, it just shows how how this awful, awful thing became normalized. Mm. I mean, I forget the name of the movie. Like it's been released in like, you know, the film festivals and stuff. It'll probably be available streaming this winter or something. And again, I I don't recall the name of it. Um, And I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's why I, I hate with a passion Trump. Because these MAGA people, and again, people could be, oh, well, no, no, Trump's not anti-Semitic, and his daughter's Jewish. And I'm not saying Trump is anti. I, I don't think he gives a rat's you-know-what about Israel. He says he does, but that's for his evangelical base. You know, everything with Trump is self-serving. He could care less about Israel, but he he wants to keep the evangelicals happy. Um, so I'm not saying Trump and MAGA people would come after Jews, though they certainly could, but that if Trump decided tomorrow he he hates Paraguayans 
and all the Paraguayans are evil. Those people will go hunt Paraguayans for them. I mean, I'm giving a ridiculous example, but, um, you know, what Trump has done with undermining all institutions, with normalizing conspiracy theories, he, he is just... If Trump dropped dead tomorrow from too many cheeseburgers, that would be a blessing. But the damage is already done. Um, He has normalized so many awful, awful things. Granted, hasn't normalized things like how the Nazis did. But give him time. He could get there. He's doing a good job putting the country on that path. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate your, your perspective on this. Um, and I've been saying, you know, from the very beginning, too, like, it's, it's sort of strange to me to see people who are on the left side of the political spectrum, especially, you know, d- podcasters, influencers, journalists, come out on the side of Palestine to the point where, you know, they just don't want any support for Israel at all. And as I've said here, and I think uh, you're, we're thinking the same thing. If we don't support Israel, it, it would be a, a massacre eventually. If, if we just cut off all funding and didn't, right. didn't provide them with the, the support they need to defend themselves, they, they would just be rolled over but a lot of people but, murdered, just killed. But a, lot of, but a lot of people would say, a lot of people would say, so what? Yeah, not not out of hatred towards Jews, just out of indifference. Yep. I I look at what's going on in Ukraine, and I'm appalled. It makes me angry. It's to me so obvious that the Russians, again, the Ukrainians are not perfect, very corrupt country, struggling democracy. I get it. Look, the Ukrainians sided with the Nazis during World War II. Mm-hmm. All right. Again, I, I, I'm under no illusion that Ukraine, you know, Ukraine's a perfect country, but they're on a path to democracy. They have a Jewish president, and they're trying to do the right things. And and in comes Putin and Russia. Um, you know, so just like I say, well, if if Israel got wiped off the face of the map, most people in America and Canada would be like, yeah, doesn't doesn't affect me. I don't care. Just like if Ukraine got wiped off the map, most Americans and Canadians would go, eh, oh, there's horrible things going on. Well, as long as I don't just see it, like, eh, I don't really care. You know, like, that's, I don't know, maybe it's human nature, I'm, I'm not sure. But, um, but yeah, like, the fact that we, when I say we, America, that, that the Republican Party you know, the party of Reagan and we support democracy and, you know, all that, that, that the MAGA lunatics know the Ukraine, they're Nazis and uh, Zelensky's a pedophile and Zelensky and his wife are buying French villas. They're using our money to, to buy yachts. And I'm like, give me a break. There's like atrocities going on. Uh, of the same level committed by the Russians against the Ukrainians. And not only does the MAGA world not want to support Ukraine, but they're willing to spread bullshit 
about Ukraine to try to demonize them. It's bizarre a world. And, and why does MAGA and, and that whole world, why do they hate and, and not want to t- help the Ukrainians? And again, this is my opinion. It's one reason and one reason only. Because Biden supports them. Because Trump and these MAGA people are so petty. You know, they, they think that, I'm not a big Biden fan, but guess what? Biden does not want to destroy the U.S. Biden is not a pedophile. Biden is not the most corrupt president ever. Is he old? Yeah, too old. Uh, does he look like he's going to fall over at any minute? Absolutely. Uh, has he done some policies I don't agree with? Yep, certainly. But all in all, he, he means well. He's not, it's not like he's some evil but, but MAGA's done a wonderful job of convincing themselves that Joe Biden is the reincarnation of the devil. And they're trying to do the same thing with Zelensky and, the Ukraine, and Ukraine. So it's bad enough that they don't support him, but then even worse, that they demonize them and try to create them into this. And, and I, if I can also add, it's so short-sighted that even if, if you're an American and even you don't care, you care less about Ukrainians. Who gives a crap? You know, I, you know what? Let Russia take Ukraine. Oh, and if they want to go into Poland a year or two later, who cares? I'm not going to Poland anytime soon. Anyone that feels that way is so short-sighted. It's so, yes, Russia and, and, and them invading Ukraine is not a threat to us right now, right this minute. But five years from now, 10 years from now, if we have a world in which Russia can invade Ukraine and China, yep, go ahead and take Taiwan, no problem. Like if, if we have a world like that, like, you know, that, that's not gonna lead to good things. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we need a was, leader of the free world. We, yeah. we, uh, I was just gonna say, we, we don't, the last thing we need right now is a sociopath like Donald Trump uh, mm. as the leader of the free world. I mean, just look at the comments he's made the past few days. He's, he's a mental patient and he has said awful, awful things for years now. But the shit he has said the past week or two, he is out of his fucking mind. He is... Again, this is a whole nother discussion. God forbid he gets back into office. Uh, you go read articles about people that worked for Trump, mm-hmm. and and they'll they've written articles about well, this is what he wanted to do, and if he gets back into office, he'll do these things. Democracy's gone, just completely shot. So you don't you don't think that. The Trump foreign policy was was more effective at, at keeping peace than what we have now. Um, saying saying that all right. Um, okay, during Trump's four years, yes, there there was no war. Well, we were involved in you know Iraq and Afghanistan. But okay, but it was it was a peaceful time. Fine. If I said to you. Um, I'm just going to make something. I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. And actually during Trump's 
four years, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So I can't wait for Trump to get back into office because clearly that means the Eagles will win the Super Bowl again. You'd say that that's ridiculous. Like that's 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 not you're taking cause and effect and 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 warping it. That, that's what this is. I, I okay, I'll give Trump some credit, but I, I know I don't think that. Oh, if if Trump gets back in office, you know, nor do I believe. Oh, if Trump had been in office. Russia never would have gone in. You know what? Russia wouldn't have gone into Ukraine because they want the end of NATO. And Trump was doing a damn good job of doing that. So, yeah, they wouldn't have gone into Ukraine because Trump was doing their dirty work for them. But like right now with Hamas, like these idiots that say, oh, well, Trump was in office. Hamas never would have done this. What? Are you fucking high? (laughs) Give me a break. This has been going on for years before Trump. Like. So, again, I think Trump did some good things as president, um, but he is an enormous danger. He is a danger beyond belief. A danger domestically, internationally, both? Both. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, domestically. No doubt. The guy tried to overturn an election. Okay, enough said. Never in my lifetime, and I'm in my mid-50s, I never thought I would see the day where, um, you know, someone tried to throw out an election. Like, that's not how, you know, I have to admit, I, the, 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 the peaceful transfer of power, um, I took for granted. I took democracy for granted. Never really, what Trump has ushered in, I never really thought was even possible in my lifetime, yet here it is. Um, he he has no appreciation or understanding of democracy. He is narcissistic off the charts to the point of dangerous that kind of narcissism. Um, and you know, oh, oh well, Andy, you just don't like his mean tweets. You know what? I don't like his mean tweets. But the, Donald Trump, the fact that he's an asshole, is number 5,000 on his list of uh, negative attributes. Like, it's the least of his problems that he's an asshole. And he sends out mean tweets about Rosie O'Donnell. Who gives a shit? Um, it's all the other stuff. He doesn't understand democracy. He doesn't believe in it. And he has said so many things that show us that. He gets along best with Putin. Kim Jong-un, Orban, you name the dictator, they're smart, strong, good people. She, right out of central casting. But our allies, whether it's Trudeau or uh, Macron or when Merkel was in, he didn't get along with them. You know, he's made comments like, oh, well, like being president for life, like, yeah, that, that'd be a good thing. <laughs> and it's like, wait a second. No, no, you're not joking, dude. Like, he's serious when he says that. He's smart enough to pass it off as a joke. But no, he, he, he's, he looks at that. He looks at what Putin's done to Russia and, and it's like, hey, yeah, that's a good thing he's got going there. I'd like that. I mean, on paper, Russia's a democracy. Uh, there, the only reason that 
Trump could not do to the U.S. if he got back in office that Putin did in Russia is the fact that Trump's 77. If Trump was 47, forget about it. Holy shit, he would be in office the next 40 or 50 years. He, he wouldn't leave. So, yeah, Trump is an enormous danger. Well, Just like, you know, it, it, take the fact, okay, there were no wars. Now, again, someone from MAGA would listen to me. <laughs> I went back and read the, the chat on the, on the screen here. I'm sure I'm getting ripped from by MAGA people. But, you know, I'm sure you heard, like, what General Milley and Mark Esper in the, the last weeks or months of Trump's administration, what they had to do, that they thought the guy was so nuts and that he would do anything to stay in office that he could try to start a war or some kind of skirmish or something with China. Like, that, 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 and again, that's the narcissism in him. He just wants to be president. He, he can't get enough of doing rallies and having 5,000 people drooling over him. He gets off on it. He loves that more than anything else. Um, well, Andy, so, we're but how just, crazy we've been marching on here for a while. Uh, over 20 minutes. So yeah, I'm just so going to get you to kind of wrap up and uh, uh, just give give us some final thoughts. Yeah. I, so in, in summary, Trump is dangerous. He's a horrendous human being. And Israel, while not perfect, they are the good guys in this battle. But the Palestinians, the normal ones, are true victims. I appreciate the call. Thank you for much. the time. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. It. Have a good evening. You too, sir. Call back. Appreciate it. Um, let's move on to the lottery ticket guy. Here he is. Oh, let's get him up on the screen. There he is. Hello. You got the you? most assaulted man without a plan to master all your disasters, Rick. The last caller. You know what? I wasn't even going to call in, but by popular demand in the chat, I'm calling you. Okay. I'll tell uh, you one thing about okay. Trump. He foreseen this in his crystal ball, exactly what the fuck is going down today in the world. And he foreseen it, and he called it almost to the fucking day. Okay, so the last caller to say, oh, Trump, oh, he thinks he would have been in office. He just said, don't work that way in United States politics. You're in for eight years tops, and you're gone. Maybe Trump Jr. would have got the next run. Who knows? His dad did a swell job, and it's down to the kids. That's the way it works. Okay, picking sides. Now I'm going to pick a side. And some people may not be happy with this, but I really don't give a shit what you're happy with. This is freedom of speech. We're on rumble, baby. So I'm going to let it rumble out. I stand with Palestine. And the reason why I stand with Palestine, last night I said it, okay, the Israelis have been lining up Palestinians for years, okay? And if you know anything about the history of Palestine and the PLO and Yasser Arafat, okay, and the leaders of the PLO, this has been going on a lot longer than the invasion that's going on right now. A lot longer. There's been more Arab Palestinians killed by far tenfold than Israelis. For every dead Israeli, I could guarantee you there will be maybe 100 Arabs that will die over this. Okay. It's their land. You know, Canada wants to be nice. We'll give them a fucking province. I'm not going to say BC because you're there, but let's give them fucking 
the Yukon Territory. Fuck off. Right? So that's the only way the war is going to end. And I, I have a right to stand with who I want to stand with. And believe me, I've seen the atrocities over the years. And by tenfold, it's been on the other side. And they've been occupied. Nobody has the right to shut off the power okay, to, in, in the water, in the food. Who, <laughs> wow, that's a genocide in its makings. Wrong move. And I knew it when that Benjamin fucking Yahoo fuck got back in, okay, there was going to be war. How many times has that guy been the prime minister over there? Yeah, for quite a long time. Eight. No, this is his eighth time. Yeah. Seventh or eighth time, Rick. Okay, he's been, pri- he's been prime minister. That don't happen in fucking in democratic countries, period. Jean Chrétien can't come back and run. Stephen Harper can't come back and run. Yeah, they can. He ain't going to run. Yeah, they can. What, eight times? Eight times, every time the guy's in, every time Benjamin Netanyahu's in, what happens? There's a war in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Or there's a war in Syria. Or there's a war with fucking Lebanon. He's the reason why. And I think, you know, for man, oh man, I'm going to keep rambling because we're on Rumble. Okay? It was a setup from the get-go. You don't have these guys flying in like fuck. Sylvester Stallone in the uh, Expendables with fucking parachutes with machine guns. Come on. And now they're saying all the Actually, that video of the parachutes was fake. Not fake. It wasn't, it was video, that was video from another country at a sporting event um, where those guys were parachuting in. And that was uh, actually turned out to be not accurate. It was misused. Okay, thank, thank you for that. But a lot of people think that's accurate. And then the, the, the uh, Israelis come on and say, oh, they invaded us by land, by sea, by air. Give me a, give me a break. Yeah. Please give me a break. I seen their, uh, their Navy, the Palestinian Navy. What was it, fishing boats? Give me a break. Okay. Israel either was in on it from the get-go, okay, and they let this happen to their own fucking people. Don't think that governments won't let this shit go on because they do let it go on. It's all about the almighty dollar at the end of the day. They're running out of land in Israel. It's too congested there. We need to expand, but we don't have the land. So what are we going to do? We're going to take something. We're going to take Gaza. We're going to try and move on. This is going to end very fucking badly over there this time around. Yeah, and so just, that's just where to the mouth clarify of the for people, um, I'm just, I just looked it up here, and it looks like uh, Netanyahu has been uh, prime minister three times. And yes, you can okay. you can run and be prime minister in this country for as long as people keep electing you. The uh, you know the limitation is that you can only be prime minister so long, and then you must go to the polls and have an election. So you're you're limited to max four years, and then you have to have another election. But you can be elected and elected and elected. And even if you are defeated, you can. And even if you step down as leader of the party, you can still come back as Pierre Trudeau did actually. He resigned, stepped down, took a break, and then actually came back later. He did. Well, there's that. some history for me. Yeah, but you but know, every time, every time this this cunt, every time this constant power, there's war. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, Israel's no dummies. Okay, there, I'll give them credit there. Okay, Mossad. Okay, all, all their intelligence. Okay, they're on top of it. Okay, what happened? 
all they could sell, we let our guard down. He didn't come on. That's one of the most protected walls in the world is right there. Okay. And then you hear, I think it was Egypt. Was it Egypt or Jordan? Egypt that said that there was, uh, they, they gave them a warning that they knew something was going on. Well, we're and they didn't heed the like warning. That, certainly, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I don't know, Leo. These are, I, these are fishy, Rick. It's really fishy. Want to know. Yeah. <laughs> these, it's a fishy story, okay? It's very fishy. And, uh, you know, I, I don't trust any government, period. Okay, I've seen the way they've rolled over the last, over, shit, the last 20 years. It's gone downhill in a lot of countries and the United States, too. As for Joe Biden, guy's brain fucking dead. The last caller don't know shit, period, okay? Uh, he has a say. There's your say. I'm telling you right now, he's brain okay. dead. Donald Trump don't have a crystal ball. He fucking called it right to the, almost the day, okay? He uh-huh. knew there was going to be war in Ukraine. He called it before. Yeah. He said, if Biden gets in, there'll be a war in Ukraine. So <laughs> Israel, he called it all, okay? The guy's, uh, he's no prophet. He's not a, pro- a prophet, but I'll tell you what. He called it like the, fucking, like, like the playbook, yeah. the NFL playbook. You seen it coming, you could smell it, and he told everybody, he warned everybody, and people thought, oh, he's fucking nuts, Donald Trump. He's nuts, just not mega, oh, they're white supremacists. Give me a break. If you don't get back in, the world's in a the world's in a heap of shit, buddy. Yeah, well, I, I the don't reason agree. he didn't want to give, I certainly didn't agree with uh, everything he said either. I did like, you know, I, I thought he provided some good uh, perspective on Israel, but uh, yeah, the Trump stuff. I, I get what he's saying. I don't agree with all of it. I think that Trump, I think his foreign policy was effective. It did keep us out of new wars, and uh, it did. Yeah. And, and and for him to snub his nose at Trudeau, well, why not? Yeah, he called the spade a spade. Look at yeah. the spade that we have. Yeah, it's yeah, right. So, so I'm no fan of Trudeau either, as you know. Worst prime minister the country has ever had for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he still posted on Facebook like he's you know. And when I get it, it's hilarious on Facebook. All his positive comments are coming from third world. Uh, Third world countries, okay? Yeah. People are not even Canadian. Call them, you're the best president in the world. Well, fucking, and you look at where they're from. They're from Bangladesh, fucking India, okay? Uh, it, it's a joke. It's a joke. He needs to step down uh, in Canada. We'll get get a lot better. I'll tell you, as soon as he steps down, we're in, we're in good hands. I don't care what hands we go in, okay? As long as it ain't NDP, mm-hmm. anything's better than the Liberal Party and the NDP Party and what we have right now. The Greens, uh, I wouldn't give them the chance. But anybody else, there you go. And there's not many to pick from. You get the PPC, the P, the PC. But I really, 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 really like that Danielle Smith, buddy. Yeah, well, she uh, she got a big win, didn't she, in that court decision? There's a per- Yeah. Well, you elect, okay? You elect people that are going to fight on the benefit of the people. She's standing up for the people. Okay, She's going to get that oil pumping again. Yeah. And the sooner the better. The sooner the better. You know, I mean, nobody's going to really say anything about her getting oil pumping now because they, they need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wonder if Joe Biden has the oil reserves up. Not likely. Diminished? Not likely. They tapped into those when fuel prices were going up. And uh, I know they went to the uh, strategic oil reserves. 
to uh, to to get the, the price of gas down a bit. Uh, so I, I would I don't think they've replenished them. I don't think he's that smart. Well, I'll tell you these these battleships aren't running on hydro, folks. Neither are these planes or the tanks. Yeah, and they're running on diesel. And Qatar is uh, saying today. I've seen reports that indicate they may um, find ways or, or take steps to restrict the flow of oil from the Middle East uh, to put pressure on the West over this war between Hamas and Israel. So if that happens, hold on to your wallets and uh, and watch the prices of everything go through the roof. If we well, I don't think we have to so. hold on to our wallets anymore because we don't have any wallets. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, everything's gone. Everything's gone amok here. So yeah. the faster Alberta gets pumping, the faster the P, the PC get in, and he's got his connections with his wife being Venezuela. Yeah. There's a big market for oil over there. A huge market for oil in Venezuela. Yeah. Okay, get the oil pumping, get it moving, get the economy going. Let's get back to where we're supposed to be, right? So, okay. with that being st- said, yeah, I didn't. St- thank you, Leo. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to call tonight, Rick. But fuck, that guy just made me. He made my blood boil. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> Good. Okay. You uh, had a feeling? Yeah, I You did. had a feeling I couldn't take anymore. Uh-huh. Okay, I, Rick. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Here's Richard. And you want to talk about Daniel Smith as well. How are you tonight? Go ahead. Uh, yes. Really good. Really good. Uh, so won the battle, that's for sure. Yes. She hasn't won the war yet, so I wouldn't be popping no corks off the champagne quite yet. Yeah. No shovels in the ground yet. Yet, but she has uh, she has won a good battle. Now, of course, Mr. Gabot, he's a climate zealot. He's not a quitter. He didn't quit halfway up the CN Tower. He climbed all the way to the top with his manor, and he's not going to quit now. So the war's not over. But uh, Daniel had, did a, had a good win. Put it that way. Had a yes. really good win. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm still here. It's around the long yes. Oh, where's my rant? Okay. Uh, yeah, your call is a little bit, you're a little distorted, so we're going to cut it short with you, Richard, because it's very difficult, it's distorted, and I, I don't want to uh, drag it on too much longer. Okay. Do you have any, any can final thoughts? Yes, can I just say a 30-second rant on Hamas? Sure, go ahead. Is real problem? Yep, quickly, yep. The only thing I, thing I mostly want to see to come out of that is those two little Canadian girls that haven't been found since the uh, music concert. Yeah. I want to hear that they've been found safe and sound and on an airplane coming back to Canada. That's awesome. what I want to hear out of that Hamas story. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. That's it. Thank you very much. For Thank it. you. Appreciate it. Okay. And yeah. let's move right. on to Kevin. I think it's Kevin. Go ahead. You want to talk Hello, about Rick. Taylor? Do you want to talk about Taylor Swift? Is that what you want to talk about? That's what it says on the Well, like, yeah, like, I just don't understand that. But anyways, that's that. Now, are you a Christian? I would say, yeah. Okay. Now, do you believe in this Antichrist stuff? Well, I don't know. What, what, where, where are we going with this? Well, like, this Antichrist, like, well, from what I was told by my mother, she's passed away. 
But from what my, things are supposed to get really, really good when this Antichrist shows up. Okay. Um, so, you know, this is kind of, right, so, can, can we kind of drive to the point so we can keep people engaged well, here? Well, okay. This is well, a little, little like, all over the map. Well, yeah, I know. Like, now, okay. We're in bad times. So when is this good times going to happen? Like, when this, if you, if you're a Christian, um, when will this good times going to happen? When when the people believe in this antichrist, whoever this person is, or whatever this is, is supposed to make it really, really good, and everybody's going to accept this. Okay. Well, I mean, this is getting a little too mystical, I think, for tonight's discussion. Um, I'd I'd like to just kind of keep things a little more well, grounded. Um, so okay, but okay, what's what's happening? Okay, what's happening in Israel is just all predicted in the Bible. Okay, this is all supposed to happen. Yeah, I hear you. Right, right. It's also so. Why are why are these people all all uh, wondering why this is happening? It's all in the Bible. From my mom, when my mom she's passed away, but she told me this is all going to happen. Okay. Well, it's time. So for I don't to know crack why open a Bible then and and take a look, right? I mean, yeah, I've, then, I've, yeah, I've gone you, to the Bible in, in recent weeks just to, um, to find a, a bit of moral guidance as I've tried to, uh, yes. yeah. you know, f find a path. So with I was, yes, so I was kind of wondering, like, well, like this Antichrist, maybe it could be Taylor Swift. I mean, they sure are hanging on to her. I've never seen anything like this. Like, like, like all she does is sing. Like I mean, I listen to music. I mean, I listen to all types, but she's just she just sings. Okay. Like I don't get it. Like by something, well, oh, maybe, well, that, yeah. Like everybody's hanging on to her. She's probably the antichrist. <laughs> like right. you know, I'm just saying. Like you know, okay. throwing it out there. But, right. Wow. Well, th thank I mean, you, like, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. I think we're going to yeah. move on. Yeah. Um, I appreciate yeah. the. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I know. I know. I know. All right. All right. Thank you. You yeah. have a great night. Yeah, I'm. I'm just okay. Taylor Swift. All right. Here's Jennifer. How are you tonight? You have some good news, it says, or you, you where, where are we going with you? <laughs> Not where we just went. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, sorry, you caught me eating pizza. Um, <laughs> I've been watching the show since the beginning of The Convoy, and uh, I used to watch you years ago back in Toronto. I live back in Toronto on the television so i was kind of caught captivated and wanted to continue watching and uh still enjoy your show a lot thank you um so i guess my thing was try to end on a happy note it's not going to be political and it's not going to be about the antichrist okay <laughs> but um i just wanted to say there's interesting places still in canada and i'm in one of them that um, life is still kind of normal. <laughs> I left Paris, Ontario in April, or I officially moved out to Saskatchewan at the end of July in 2020, but I started making a move uh, right at the start of COVID. I think the first time I saw Trudeau stand outside Rideau Cottage, I was like, 
uh, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> I want to get out of Ontario for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. And uh, I found a house I on sight unseen on the internet in this little small town. I you've seen me in the chat. I post. I'm in Macklin, Saskatchewan. And um, yes, Macklin, Saskatchewan, <laughs> home of the unknown town. Um, I can walk to the Alberta border. Uh, I can work in Alberta. I can work here. I've had some interesting uh, jobs. I bought my house from pictures on the internet. It was listed at $32,500, oh. and I got it for twenty seven five. <laughs> it's a little 1928 stucco uh, former schoolhouse, and on a corner lot, um, it's a town of about 1,300 people founded back in the 1800s by a Scotsman whose name was Macklin, uh-huh. and he came over here as a sheep farmer. And uh, it's, it's like, it's like I guess, going back to uh, a town in, like, Back to the Future, <laughs> where the school is still the school, the churches are still the same churches, the street, Main Street, just got its first major uplift, facelift uh, this summer, and actually got the road paved. <laughs> so you kind of get my drift. It's very dusty, <laughs> extremely dusty here. Um, but you know, people are people here are generally, I'd say, twenty five percent are awake and get what's going on, and the rest of them really have no clue about what's going on in the world. They don't know who the elites are or anything like that. They're happy to just get up every day and you know live their life and it was kind of interesting today because a lot of people you know i was watching you last night i watched shadow davis i watched real deal media out of las vegas i watched glenn beck and i'm like oh my god tomorrow like what's going to happen and i woke up this morning the sun was shining it was going to be a high of like 20 um everybody's walking around doing their thing there's guys still down at our local lake. Who one guy from Vegas? It's his third season here, and he comes up to duck and goose hunt. And you know, I walked the dog through the park, and I went, "Oh, hey, Vegas, how's it going?" He's skinning his duck breasts and putting them in Ziploc baggies. And, you know, hey, how's your dog? Great. And nobody I ran into talked at all about what's going on over in the Middle East. It's, it's, you know, sometimes you just really need to live in a place where you get a break. Yes, I know. I see the screen and you're probably, what the fuck is I that? I am. This, was my, this is going to be my question. It's like, what the heck is that? Is that like a, is that like a big, cute statue with giant breasts on top? Or is it like something with giant eyeballs? What, what the heck is that? Well, that was my thought, too. Because when I did, and when I saw the house online, because I basically had just gone into Realtor.ca, put a ceiling on what I wanted to spend, and looked at anything that popped up, and I looked at stuff and elbow and eyelash and all over Saskatchewan. Oh, and the reason Saskatchewan, my brother and sister-in-law, professors in Saskatoon, so that's why I chose this province to to look in. So when I saw that, I was like, "Holy crap! What is that thing?" So it is actually. A horse ankle bone. That it's a. <laughs> that's sorry. That's a horse ankle bone. A horse ankle bone. Yes, 
And it's a game that started here back in the oh late 1800s and 1900s with the Russian settlers that came here. Uh-huh. And it's called the Bummet Tournament. <laughs> and it's big deal here. The The August weekend, in, in the long weekend in August, people come from all over. The town is like filled with camper trailers. The park is filled with camper trailers. And there is the world's largest Bunnock tournament <laughs> that goes on the whole weekend down in the campground. And it's basically kind of like Mm, you line these bones up almost like a chessboard on opposite sides of a pitch. And then there's blue ones and red ones and white ones and people stand in teams and you try to knock the other guy's bones over. <laughs> I okay. <don't> know. <laughs> I was, yeah, it's pretty well, crazy. Don't tell, don't tell people in, in Macklin that I think they're big, whatever that thing is. Uh, it looks like a, a half-naked woman with a big eyeball breasts on the top. <laughs> Just, that's the <laughs> that's first what thing. I thought too. Yeah. Eyeball. When I saw when I saw that picture, I was like, "What kind of town is this?" But <laughs> if you go to a lot of small towns, all this general area, uh, Saskatchewan, small towns, and then up into uh, Western Alberta, like Vermilion and and Provost and Chauvin and different towns like this. This is a big thing. Like Chauvin has the world's biggest baseball and uh, <laughs> Vermilion, I think it's a pierogi. Like yeah. <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> so it's quite, it's quite a, a different kind of world out here. Uh-huh. Um, and oil field and, and grain is the biggest, uh, the biggest industry, there's always jo- any kind of job in the oil field out here. Um, I recently just got appointed to manage a senior's home. And uh, there's twenty about 23 residents. And it's also so weird because they're all in their late 80s, 90s. And I even have one resident who's going to turn 104 in December. So I'm like, what's in the water here? Because <laughs> whatever it is. And they're all completely with it. They're funny. They know where they are. They, they joke. They're so smart, have so many stories to tell and just delightful people. And uh, yeah. And so this is kind of like, if anybody's looking for that kind of life again, this part of the world still you can still find it i guess is my whole point um and macklin has it's got a drugstore a couple of grocery stores it's got a pharmacy a small seniors hospital the provost hospital is 20 kilometers away you can walk in on a saturday morning and there's like an eight minute wait time (laughs) um the yeah. doctor comes to the nursing home every Thursday, and and there's a clinic here, and a dance studio, and a spa. And the big news this summer, when they paved the main street, they tore down a decrepit old store. A couple of you know stores were just falling apart, and they turned it into a public space. And they, the guys here, the town guys, and they know you by name. You know them by name. Um, they built. Uh, these like incredible, they're little, like little houses 
they built these um, little market booths and then they put all the old fashioned signs on them saying, oh, the saloon and the railway station and whatnot. And um, Thanksgiving weekend, Friday, they had the sort of October festival there. And so the whole street was set up for people promoting their businesses and selling things and a beer garden at the curling rink. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's like, it's like so easy here. Not to say that there are problems. There are, there's a lot of drug use. I won't uh, deny that. You know, people, young guys in the oil patch that are making, you know, going from high school to making a hundred grand a year um, as a swamper or a, a driller or something, you know, drugs are available and it's easy to get them there everywhere. And so you get, you get a bit of that. Um, no RCMP in town. They, you have to call them and it's a 30 minute drive from Wil- from unity or Wilkie. <laughs> so don't be getting murdered because <laughs> nobody's going to be there in a hurry to save you. Um, but that kind of stuff doesn't happen. It's petty crime and, you know, people stealing something out of your backyard or drilling, drilling gas can gas tanks that happens occasionally now. But uh, like my yard, I put in a, an inflatable hot tub and did my whole yard up with pea stone. And I don't have a fence. Not a single thing has gone missing out of my yard in three years. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty Mayberry, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> I guess it's the best way to describe it. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the whole world isn't uh, in torment or torn to shreds. There are places like this that, you know, anybody who's just so tired of it, there's still time here. You know, there's still a town council that that we don't have any purple lights or 5G here. It's uh, It's very easy to live here, I guess. And the good news is everybody has long guns. <laughs> there, isn't a house, there isn't a house in town. Last year, just about the drug thing, like yeah. one of my neighbor's son was in the oil patch, and, and then he went to, to Grand Prairie, got involved a little bit with some bad biker gangs and stuff, and came back, and, and uh, he got himself arrested for something stupid, so... He was in the house across the road, and his parents went to Newfoundland for the month in August. And uh, there was some shenanigans that were going on across the road for the whole month. But when they came back, much to my surprise, the uh, the police showed up one afternoon. Well, they were here all month, but uh, this one particular afternoon after they got home, I saw the three RCMPs outside my window. I'm like, oh, no, what, what's going on across the road again? And uh, out comes the three RCMPs with gloves on their hands, each one carrying two rifles in each hand mm-hmm. <laughs> and a handgun. Yeah. So, I mean, those those kinds of things still happen. Um, they, I think they were all registered, but they had to take them out of the house anyway. And, uh, yeah, so, but, you know, if anybody did try to invade Macklin, there'd be a pickup truck <laughs> at the foot of every street coming out of here with a bunch of guys with a bunch of rifles. Yeah, try that <laughs> and, and try that in a small town like Macklin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I just wanted to end on a kind of a funny, positive note. 
that, you know, there's still. Sorry, did we lose you? No, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate the call very much, Jennifer. This was this was great. Um, I think uh, I think you helped <clears throat> kind of restore some perspective for people. I hope so, yeah. because you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Revelation. I think we're in end times. Um, I watch a pretty cool prophet out of Colorado and. He's pretty, he's pretty uh, awake and, you know, there is, yeah, the world's in trouble, but, you know, there are places that, that, and, and you can even find those places in your own community, I think, and just get away from all that yeah. nastiness and sadness, even for a day, you know, just, yeah, Google Macklin and look at my, my bun up there. That will make anybody have a laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. What, what do they call that oh. thing? Is it like a, a like it's it's not a statue. What what is it? It's a. Uh, I, I it's don't a think anybody calls it anything but the, the giant bunnock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a landmark. Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's just a landmark. Yeah. Please. You all should come out next August. <laughs> Check it out. Okay. You know, Sudbury has the big nickel, you know, and uh, St. Thomas has uh, Jumbo the Elephant statue thing. And, you know, every community has something, but I've never seen anything quite like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I think ours is about the most interesting. My, they did, however, I have to say, I'm looking at one of the pictures and it's got the black door. They did paint that white because that was a little bit disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, so it's you have to a you bit, have to you attach know, some crazy story to it so that you get all the people who are who are missing the Georgia Guidestones now that they've been blown up. You can bleed off their their tourist traffic, right? Come to come to Macklin no, and see the mystical people. bunnock, uh, which is like actually a a, a, a guide for like a, a for a landing strip for UFOs or something, you know. <laughs> well, interestingly <laughs> enough, the air, airport, the strip, the the landing strip is kind of right behind there. Well, so <laughs> there you go. See, it's yeah. like it's like clairvoyance. Crop dust. I just I just knew instinctively that that's what it that's was. That's right. It's like. Like a pyramid, you know, That's right. telling the aliens, come here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so thanks for hearing me, and yeah, uh, I hope everybody great. had a laugh. All right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, great call. You're welcome. Okay, yeah, talk to you later. Call back anytime. It was a real pleasure. Okay. All right. And because that was a very Canadian kind of a call, you know what we're going to do? We're going to close things off tonight with something very Canadian. Um, we have to. Yeah, last night we were doing the whole um, hockey organ player thingy, which was fun. And uh, so I think tonight what we'll do is we'll go to our friend Kevin Westfall, the Canuck. Because he's got to be my favorite Canadian musician, maybe my favorite musician of all time. I love, I love Kevin. And uh, yeah, we're going to close off tonight with uh, Kevin Westfall and... Uh, and his band playing the beer store song because very Canadian. We're talking about Macklin, Saskatchewan. 
small town, small Canadian town. A place to uh, a place that makes me smile. Just thinking about that bunnock. Maybe Kevin will do a whole song about the Saskatchewan bunnock. Folks, we're gonna let Kevin close things out here tonight. Thank you, everyone, for joining me here on the program, spending your time here. Again, uh, a privilege. Thank you uh, to you guys who donated tonight, too. Uh, really appreciate that. That will help pay a couple of bills here. So I really, really appreciate it. All right, here's Kevin and the beer store song, The Canuck. Folks, the beer store song. All sitting around a table with my uncle and my cousin. Before we knew it, we went through a dozen. I opened up the fridge and there was nothing there to pour. We had to make a trip to the beer store. Well, there's people going in, people coming out, bringing empties back, taking full ones out. There's six packs, 12 packs, 24. We had to make a trip to the beer store. Oh. Working hard in the yard, thought I'd better stop. Maybe have a little break and have a, have a wobbly pop. I opened up the fridge and there was nothing there to pour. I had to make a trip to the beer store. Well, there's people going in, people coming out, bringing empties back. Yeah, taking full ones out. There's six packs, 12 packs, and 24s. We had to make a trip to the beer store. Blair. from so what will I do when I have no more oh. ah. well we better get going to the beer store there's people going in people coming out bringing empties back and taking full ones out there's six packs 12 packs 24s we had to make a trip to the beer store yeah, we had to make a trip to the beer store. Yeah, we had to get going to the beer store. The beer store is on. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.